Blog Talk Radio. I wanted to talk about was the Angie's Legacy Fund. 
um, Emmeline brought some more information to my attention, and I posted it on the wall. Uh, for those that are interested, you can donate to the GoFundMe um, campaign, which is Angie's Legacy Fund, or you can buy the Afro Man or Afro Woman T-shirts. And Raquel has a Cafe Press page where you can go and buy products there. And the proceeds from the T-shirts and the products on the Cafe Press will be converted over into the GoFundMe. And so that has been secured. So, again, I just wanted you guys to know about the bet. It's on my Facebook page, and I'm going to tweet it out and put it on Tumblr and Google Plus after the show. So I just wanted to make sure you guys knew that that was out there and it's a worthy cause. This is for her children. And for those that aren't familiar with the story, Angie was a young woman that was part of the humanist, free thought, secular community, and she was gunned down by her husband. It was a murder-suicide. He killed her and then committed suicide. And she left three babies behind. Well, they left three babies behind because those were his children. And, you know, it was very unfortunate. It was um, one of the few times we've had to deal with death and grief in our community. You know, we had another incident about a year ago where um, a young woman took her life and you know, we have to deal with the grief of that. And as a matter of fact, we need to do a show on grief and hope or the life there. I don't know. You know, it's, it's, it's rather complicated. And most things, you know, I try to find a very simple way to put it and to deal with it. But in that respect, when we're talking about grief, when we're talking about despair, when we're talking about hope or hopelessness, it gets very, very complicated. So, yeah, we have to schedule a show um, talking about grief um, in the secular community. So, you know, I need to put something together and do some more research because you all know I always research this besides, you know, personal experience. Um, so, anyway, wanted to tell you all about that. In addition to that, Black Skeptics Group gave away scholarships last weekend, and they gave it to four recipients, four worthy recipients. And, wow, you know, I am really happy for those young people. This is the second year that Black Skeptics Group has been able to give away the first in a family humanist scholarships. So, you know, last year they gave away five. This year they gave away four. So this is the second year. Next year, you know, we're looking to roll it out to, you know, a few other cities. You know, so, again, for those that are interested in donating towards the uh, scholarship fund or donate towards the conference or just donate towards, you know, Black Skeptics Group, our PayPal is blackskeptics at gmail.com. Again, that's blackskeptics at gmail.com. And we are a 501c3 organization. So your contributions are tax deductible. So, you know, we gave out the four scholarships to the four recipients, and, you know, these young people, they're going off to school. And one of the scholarships was a $1,000 scholarship from the Freedom From Religion Foundation. And it was to this young man who's absolutely dynamic. So 
um, Dr. Hutchison will be posting um, an article about that, all of that information this week. So I'll make sure that gets out to you guys. I'll post it all over the place. You know how I do. So, you know, I just want to make sure you guys know that your, you know, your, your donations are being used. It's transparent. Um, you see where the donations are going. You see that we're helping people, and we want to keep that up. You know, we have a lot of other social justice projects coming up um, throughout the year. As a matter of fact, for one of our social justice projects, you know, each city is doing something different. And Raina and Marcus, or MC Brooks, with their Chocolate City Skeptics, they packed lunch for the homeless. You want to tell us a little bit about that, Raina? So they've already done one of their homeless social justice outreach projects for this year. Well, um, there's there's a um, a local organization um, that uh, basically puts this on every couple of months, where they pack lunches for homeless people, and um, you know it's a fun event. You know, um, you know pretty much everything that was you know, used to make the lunches were, you know, were things that were donated by people. So, you know, I know I stopped at the grocery store and brought, like, you know, snacks and bread and and stuff. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it was really cool. There was a DJ, you know, so, you know, you were listening to, you know, some really nice music, you know, while you're packing lunches. It was a lot of fun. So, you know. Excellent. Excellent. And so that's just one of many, you know, public service um, outreach, you know, services or projects that we have on the board. I know we have a white linen um, party coming up September 27th here in Chicago, and it's a fundraiser for the homeless, for homeless veterans in Chicago. But we're collecting soap, we're collecting towels, we're collecting um, you know, um, underwear and things like that, you know, things that they need, things that people forget about, you know, hand sanitizer, things just so that they can keep themselves clean and that will help them in the long run. Um, matter of fact, um, there's this one big, you know, this one store, they have some blankets on sale and they're putting it on clearance. So I'm going to go and pick up a few of those. Um, to give away. So anyway, you know, these are some of the service projects that we have coming up. We're all going out on December 1st for World Age Day, volunteering with different organizations, and this is in Atlanta, Chicago, the D.C., Maryland area, Philadelphia. Um, we have someone joining us in Mississippi. Let's see here. You have Milwaukee, and you got Houston, Texas. So it's growing is growing and is spreading because, you know, atheism is not enough. It's, it's just not. And we have to go back into the community because, again. Girl, I think you need to put the organ on when you say that, though. You know what I mean? <laughs> Don't let me find a prison worship music, child. Yeah, they played it yesterday. You. I supported it. <laughs> but, I'm telling uh, you. You know, how are you going to play praise and worship music in between booty and twerk music? But anyway, it wasn't my black party, so, you know, I didn't have no say-so any of that. Hey, but, look, just because you praise uh, the Lord does not mean that you don't get down, okay? Can you please leave them people alone with their twerking music and their praise music? Please leave them alone. Okay. Girl, they are, it would have been okay. It was loud. It was loud. I had to put my noise-canceling headphones on. Otherwise, I'd have been calling you complaining all night. 
Maybe they would. Maybe they were praising God for this work. I mean, you don't know. I mean, you know, you cannot. You know, you cannot sit over here and judge them. That is not what we came. What we became atheists for. You know what I mean? Well, well, uh, anyway, I saw some nice eye candy, but that's another story. You know, oh, then I said, so funny. And I said, oh, now, right? So anyway, moving on, we're moving on, you know, because I can't say that my mind was right. My mind was not stayed on Jesus. I was looking oh, at stuff no. like that. Well, your mind hasn't been on Jesus. Your mind hasn't been on Jesus for a long time, truth be told. So let's just get that out there. <laughs> oh, too funny. But anyway, let's get right. Let's get right. Let's center it back. Uh, anyway, conference, everybody. October 11th and 12th, the Moving Social Justice Conference is in Los Angeles, California. We're really excited about it. You know, we're excited about meeting you guys. We're excited about just, you know, being able to, you know, get together with, you know, like-minded people. And it's so much that's going to be, you know, going on. We're going to be talking about um, school-to-prison pipelining. We're going to be talking about um, homophobia, transphobia in the black church. We're going to be talking about social, you know, just different social justice issues. And we'll be talking about white supremacy, you know, things that we talk about even on a regular basis. We'll be talking about LGBTQ in the, you know, secular community. You know, there were just a number of topics that we will be um, speaking on. So we're really excited about all of that. You know, the registration is only $40. If you're a student, $25. If you're a student, $25 and... Secular Student Alliance, they have travel vouchers. That information will be released this week. I'll post it everywhere. So for those of you that are students, you know Secular Student Alliance is putting together um, some travel vouchers to help you out so that you all can get to the conference. And we're looking forward to seeing you. We're really excited about it. AAH is one of our sponsors. LA Progressive is another sponsor. And SSA, of course, Secular Student Alliance. And it's just so much happening, so much going on, and we want it, you know, we want to share it with you. So this is our first conference. Next year will be our second one, of course, and it will be in Houston, Texas. For those that can't make it this year, you know, start saving your United Negro Conference funds for next year. It will be mid-latter October, so, you know, we're working on that. And, you know, we just finished up plans for this one, and so now we're starting up for next year. But it definitely will be in Houston, Texas, and, you know, our sponsor will be, well, our local sponsor will be Houston Black Nonbelievers, which is Donald Wright's group. You know, Donald Wright is the founder of Day of Solidarity for Black Nonbelievers, and we celebrate that the last Sunday of February every year. And in conjunction with Black History Month, and we get together with other non-believers. It's open to everybody, and we just get together and we talk about. You know, sometimes we'll have a theme. Sometimes it's just us getting together. You know, for fellowship, if you will. You know, getting to know one another, getting to know somebody different. And we've had, you know, a variety of people come to our programs. We've had Latinos, we've had Caucasians, we've had believers. 
you know, come out. You know, again, this is open to everybody. You know, even the conference is open to everyone. Um, Meredith Moise, who's a minister at Mission Heart Ministries in Baltimore, Maryland, she will be at this conference. So just to kind of let you know that we are open you know, we have people that are spiritual. We have people that are part of the believing community that talk with us, and that is what we want. We are here to bridge the gap. You know, we do not, you know, condemn believers. We don't do that. You know, some of the beliefs we may, you know, talk about and, you know, deconstruct or dismantle, but we always give you a reason why we put it in context. Right. And so... So we're not here to challenge anybody's religion or their faith. You know, we're here to try to put together an understanding and see how we can work together. And with that there, I think that's a good segue into our topic today with Ferguson in America at Unrest. Um, about on the half hour and about 15 minutes, we anticipate um, having one or two organizers for, oh, from the Organization for Black Struggle joining us. So we're looking forward to that. They have a seven-point statement that they put together to help facilitate solutions to this particular issue. I spoke with a young woman by the name of Erica, and, you know, we spoke on a lot of different issues, and I'm really excited um, to have them on the show a little bit later on today. So I just wanted to give you an update. So we're anticipating that call. But, all right. So, <sighs> here we go, y'all. You all you already know how I do. Um, before I even get started, you know, because don't let me forget, um, Raina, that I'm segueing about religious people to Ferguson. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Before I get started on that, I, I must say something about an article that Anthony Penn put out there. Um, phenomenal. Excellent, excellent article. I'm pulling it up as we speak. And basically, you know, he made the same observation that many of us made. Um, why has there been silence in the secular community? Right. It's, it's been, I mean, seriously, it's, it's been crickets, crickets and tumbleweed. Mm-hmm. Over here, you know, as far as um, non-atheists of color are concerned, um, and you have a few atheists of color that are ignoring, ignoring, you know, this particular issue. A gentleman put up um, a status update on Facebook and, and tagged me in it. And he said, this has been bothering me. Where are all my fellow atheists on this? Only the black free thinkers have posted anything of substance on this. Where is the empathy? We talk about how we're discriminated against, yet when a heinous and blatant act that has discrimination written all over it occurs, one with global implications, I get crickets. And you wonder why there are few African Americans that are atheists. I am greatly disappointed in all of you. Right. Now, this is from somebody that's not of color. Right. And I know I put up a couple of personal observations because, again, you know, I'll say here what I'll say on Twitter chat, what I'll say on my wall. Look, most of the time we can't get you all to shut the hell up. You got opinions on every damn thing. But all of a sudden, <laughs> is that at your tongue? Right. Seriously? 
And this is what we're talking about. When we go in about the racism, the homophobia, the sexism, et cetera, in this community. Right. And then you have certain people in this community who either think that we're incredibly naive or just plain and simply stupid. When you try to convince us that when you became an atheist or a non-believer or a humanist, that your racist, sexist, homophobic ways were no longer there because you're not a believer. You may as well tell me that you were baptized and, you know, they sprinkled some of the blood of Jesus on you. To me, it's the same type of magical thinking. Right. I've been saying this for a while, but I don't think you hear me. And here's another reason why. Here's another reason why you see us running for the hills. Here's another reason why you see us distancing ourselves from the atheist community. It does not take a rocket scientist to figure out that this is a situation down in Ferguson. This situation affects us. Right. And I know some of the people are out there saying, how? That's Ferguson, Missouri. Kim, you live in Chicago. How is that? Look, when you see me, you don't see Chicago emblazoned on my forehead. Right. First thing you notice is my skin color. Then you notice, you know, you know, I'm looking like a woman, so, you know, I must be one, right? So, you know, you notice the female part. And the only reason why you know I'm a non-believer is because I told you so. Mm-hmm. And what's happening down in Ferguson has a bearing on people of color, not just black people. There are Asians and Latinos and, and you know, uh people of, you know, northern African or, you know, Africa, all over the world. We're dealing with colonialism. We're dealing with white supremacy. We're dealing with white privilege. We have the opportunity to take this particular incident, this unrest, and and strategize in such a way that we can, you know, pretty much force them to have a moratorium on certain public policies that are unfairly biased against people of color. You know, it's more to it than just race. Right. But race is a big factor in this. You know, um, Ferguson is a black town you know, with a white establishment. Right. And it's been that way for a while, and we're going to have Raina give us some details and some facts behind that. But this has implications all over the United States. Every person of color is going to be affected by this. Blacks aren't the only ones being, you know, policed unfairly. Latinos are being policed unfairly as well. That is why when you see a lot of these marches, you see a lot of black and brown people marching together. And especially up there in New York, that's a smorgasbord of some of everything and everybody. And they're all being affected. And so... We have the opportunity to take this situation and to make some very, very powerful changes economically, politically. Um, and it's just it's extremely important that we not, um, you know, that we not allow this situation and this opportunity to pass us by. Um, what's really getting me is, 
you know, people in the secular community point the finger at religious people saying, what are you doing for the community? They're down there giving away groceries. They're down there. I mean, not just giving away groceries, like, by the bag. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I saw this family over here, thought maybe they could use something. People, like, there are churches, that complex, that apartment complex that is right in front of where, you know, Michael Brown got shot. There are church organizations that have gotten together and bought groceries, not for one or two families, but for the entire apartment complex, something like 300 units. You know what I mean? Exactly. Exactly, and giving all phenomenal. the children. Yes, yes, it is. Yes, and that's why I'm, that's why I wanted to bring it up. And you know, because they're giving the children back the school supplies. They're giving the children clothing. One, they're even look. They're time. even buying look. They're even buying kitty litter and cat food because yes. they got. <laughs> Because because Mr. Kitty has to have some place to use the bathroom, and Mr. Kitty has to have food in his bowl. You know exactly. Exactly. And one teacher in North Carolina, one teacher by himself raised $150,000 to feed the children in Ferguson. What the hell are we doing over here? Not a damn thing. I mean, seriously, what are we doing? Nothing. Not a damn thing. Now, when some of us are doing things individually and we're building it up, but we put, you know, we put GoFundMe's out here, we put these fundraisers out here, and, you know, we're barely scraping by. But someone wants to put up a shitty-ass billboard and they get, you know, $15,000, try atheism for a year, $15,000? Damn. Seriously, you guys? And then you wonder why we call racism racism over here? Seriously, it's unreal. It's unfreaking believable. It really is. And what are we doing? What are we doing? What is our purpose? This is why some of us go back to the church. This is why some of us are more willing to work with the church than we are with secular organizations. Right. I'm sorry, but you're not going to be able to get me to talk about black Christians or black people or turn my back on black people, the black community, or black Christians because they're doing something. What the fuck are you doing? Nothing. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, a lot of people have given us, you know, have given us hell because they say that we're splitting up the atheist community. You know what I mean? But my, my problem is, is that, you know, we're not, it's like, but what about the substantive issues that we bring up? You know what I mean? These are not, these are not, you know, frivolous, you know, things that we're bringing up here. You know, there are lives that are in, you know, hanging in the balance right now. You know what I mean? There are, there are policies that discriminate against black people unfairly. And, and the, and we've talked about it on this show. I mean, we can, you know, we can go into it again. There, yes, there's religion that's tied up in some of this. You know what I mean? A lot of, a lot of how we define who is good or who is, you know, American or, you know, who is worthy of life or not worthy of life comes from a lot of our religious beliefs. But a lot of that's also white supremacy too. You know what I mean? And so, you know, you kind of you can't just divest yourself of religion and think, oh, I've, you know, I have, I have, um, you know, become enlightened. You know what I mean? Right. You have to, you have to also look at, you know, 
white supremacy and and what sort of views you hold that you know make you think that you know maybe that Michael Brown is a thug and therefore because he's a thug and he stole some cigars that oh maybe it's okay that he got shot you know what I mean that's that's not cool you know exactly and and you know regardless the officer did not stop him because of suspicion of robbery or what have you. He no, just we know stopped that. Them. Yeah, we exactly. know that. But, but the point is, the point is, is that there that there are some people who are, you know, they're putting they're they're coming out with this in, in the atheist community. I've seen it, you know, saying we need to wait for all of the facts. My question is, is when do we ever, you know, need to wait for all of the facts when it comes to like. We only ever get that when it comes to, like, black people who have been killed by, like, white officers or, you know, white citizens. That's the only time you ever hear that. You know what I mean? You don't hear it any other time. You know what I mean? If it's a black guy who gets, you know, who gets arrested because it's thought that maybe he shot someone or hurt someone, that man is rounded up and everybody is ready to throw him under the jail every time, you know? Exactly. But, you know, Rika Boyd, Renisha um, McBride, you know, Michael Brown, you know, Trayvon Martin, we all, have, we all hear all the time in this community, oh, we need to wait for all of the facts. Here are the facts. The, the, the four people I just mentioned were all unarmed, and they're in the ground right now. You know what I mean? They were yep. all unarmed, and they're all in the ground right now. And that's it's a shame. You know, there's some people out here who think that blackness is a weapon, and that's the problem. You know what I mean? We need to start recognizing people as human beings, and part of that is challenging our fundamental beliefs about race and our fundamental beliefs about class and, um, and our fundamental beliefs about criminals. You know what I mean? Just because one is a criminal does not mean that you're not worthy of life. Martin Luther King was a criminal, per the law. Am I wrong? He got arrested multiple times for breaking the per law, the right? Exactly. Right. He got arrested multiple times. You know, Gandhi was a criminal. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. And, again, you know, I put up a new picture yesterday, profile picture, and it says, my skin color is not a crime. Right. And, you know, there are situations in this country in which you feel like you're indicted the minute you walk in the door. Mm-hmm. Just because, you know, your skin color. And I'm just looking at this situation, and we, you know, besides, you know, I'm going to walk away from this for a second. You know, we, as people of color, need to support Ferguson and support what's happening there and support the people that are out there on the ground, Um, you know, people out there on the ground doing the work. And, um, Raina, tell them a little bit about the stats that you found, about, like, um, especially three warrants per household. Okay. Um, Okay, so let's let's talk about some stats first. Okay. Um, In Ferguson... Um, the, the population of Ferguson is something like, um, let's see, 
the, it's something it's something less than thirty thousand people in in the entire town of Ferguson, right? Um, of those of those people, sixty seven percent of them are African American. Okay, so let's just go through. Let's just talk about the police department first, right? Sixty seven percent of the population of Ferguson is black. Only seven percent of the police force is black. Um, there are also statistics that, um, let's see, on the number of warrants. Hold on one second. Let me pull that up. Um, okay, so they have, one second, yeah. Okay, so they have a, they have an average of three warrants per household, 1.5 cases per household. So it's, it's, it's like one or two people per household, right, that have some kind of warrant out for them, for their arrest. And the majority of these are, are related to fines and court fees. And um, the city, and, and, and they were saying that actually fines and court fees constitute the largest source of revenue for their city for a total of $2.6 million, you know, give or take, Right. Right. And um but twenty two percent of the residents live below the poverty line. And and that leads to another, you know, um you know, interesting bit of information that I've shared. And we got two callers on the line, I'm gonna pick them up in a minute. Um basically with a lot of poor people, they are railroaded into jail more so now because the court fees have gone up. Right, and now they are imprisoning people, and I put a good NPR um, broadcast up about that a couple of weeks ago. I'll put another one up. I found another one that, that they've done in the past week or so. We have Red Ninja on the line. Let me pull Red Ninja into this, and this is Travis. Is this you, Travis? Yep. Hey, Red, yes, Travis. Good morning. Well, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. How's it going? Good. How are you all? Fantastic. How y'all doing today? Good. How are you? Um, I'm di- very, very good. I'm disappointed in our world. <laughs> I think we all are this yeah. morning. You know, I was one of yeah. yesterday, and I was like, you know what? I-, I noticed something with a couple of these videos, and I'm like, are these police officers trained to empty their guns into citizens? And then I thought, well, they don't do it to white people, so maybe the black people really aren't citizens because they're trained now to empty their guns into people. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. I think it's worth I think it's worth mentioning that you know a lot of police officers are are former soldiers. You know what I mean, and mm-hmm. and that that has an effect um, in 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 some respects. I think also there has been, you know, since, you know, well, since before the 1980s, but certainly, you know, during the 1980s is when all this ramped up. You know, this war on drugs and this war on poverty really had a big effect in terms of criminalizing black bodies, you know, and criminalizing poor bodies, you know. Um, And so I think a lot of it, you know, and, and, you know, I was listening to NPR, not NPR, it was um, Democracy Now. And, you know, you have to think about it. When you you kind of put things in terms of war, you know, what what is the objective of war? The objective of war is to win, 
You know what I mean? And to win at all costs. You know what I mean? So just just even by nature, the language that we use, um, you know, the the increasing militarization of the police forces or what have you, it has an effect. You know, on in terms of how they um, view their job. You know, they're they're no longer protecting citizens. Um, they're protecting muddied interests. You know, right? They're protecting right. the interests of the powerful. You know, right? They're protecting each other. Mm-hmm. The corporate structure, their pension. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I have to say something, something about uh, a little bit of that too. Um, what we also have to think about that the the thing that burns me too is just how easily black people fed into the stereotype of unwarranted behavior. Um, the thing that disappoints me the most is when people say that black people shouldn't be fighting in the streets and getting angry about this because it makes us look bad. But how bad does it look? when police are murdering unarmed citizens in the streets and right. why aren't we getting angry? Right. We should get angry. You know? Right. And, yeah. This, right, exactly. And this this whole idea that, you know, black people should, should sit down and be quiet um, really to me just reminds me of this whole backlash that happened during the Jim Crow era because people right. need the black communities to be weak, to be docile, to not stand up, to not speak up, because exactly. they need you. Mm-hmm. And exactly. That's exactly. Oh yeah, but I mean, take a look at the difference between you know the government reaction to the Bundy, uh-huh. you know, the Bundy situation, and what's happening down there in Ferguson. And you are absolutely correct. They want blacks to be quiet, to be patient, to be passive to be silenced, and I'm glad that everybody is angry. I'm glad that I'm angry because to sit here and start accepting black death at the hands, you know, of others unprovoked, like, no, we can't, we can't, we, we will not, we will not. And, you know, we've been talking a little bit about, you know, um, needing another phase of the civil rights movement. Okay, I don't know who's opening the potato chips there. I mean, um, <laughs> um, <Funny>. <laughs> <laughs> um, moving into another phase of the civil rights movement, and this Without right here is You're gonna have to yourself. Phase of the civil rights movement. You're right. We do. Okay. All right. Let me put them back on. Are you there, Travis? Yeah, we need another phase of, you know, the civil rights movement. And, you know, this right here can be the catalyst in which we can take it further than it went with, you know, the last phase of Martin Luther King and, you know, Asa Philip Randolph <laughs> and, and those people for the simple fact that, the gains that we made during the civil rights movement as well as the gains made during the feminist movement, all of those have been rolled back and some. So when you hear people like, you know, the Duck Dynasty guy, you know, talking about blacks were happy under Jim Crow, we're pretty much living under Jim Crow, and yet they're executing these babies out in the middle of the street. 
Right. And we we have to stop it. They they have they're malicious. You know, when Barack Obama was elected president of the United States, you know, the number of militia groups and racist groups went up. Right. You know, now they're you know it's it's just it's absolutely amazing. We need people to pay attention. I posted an article about you know, talking about the civil rights movement, talking about how in America, they, at the same time that they signed the Civil Rights Act, they signed another bill called the LEA. And I'm going to pull the um, article up just so I can, you know, tell you all about it. But um, they signed the LEA Act. And with that particular act, it allowed um, more bills. It was more about war on crime. That's when it actually really started. Um, and Ronald Reagan, Reagan just ramped it up. But the war on crime, and basically a lot of whites, especially in the southern area, um, basically it allowed them to create, you know, arbitrary laws in an effort to imprison black people. And they did that happily. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this is why we're trying to get people to understand what's – happening with the prison system, how, you know, it's, it's changed the game. And it's just as important for you guys to understand um, what's happening out here and what's being done to the community, what's being done to our people, how we, we are basically being forced into a corner. We're being forced into a corner, being shot, you know, like dogs in the street. They they left his body. They left Mike's brown body out there for hours. Right. I was going to mention that, Kim. Yeah. Somebody posted a picture uh, with Mike Brown's body laying in the street for hours, and then they showed another picture of uh, some random brother being hung from the past. And they were explaining that, you know, the massa would hang somebody and leave their body up there to uh, let everybody know. And I'm saying... I thought they left that body out there to actually trigger PCTS. I made it up the other day on the show. PCTS, that's Police Contact Terror Syndrome, or Cop Shock. Right? Don't you have Cop Shock? I know I do. I didn't know I really did. I, I was joking about it, thinking I had Cop Shock. The other day, I was in like a area, a, a rich white area, and I turned the corner and this cop was in front of me, and he pulled over to make a U-turn. I didn't know that. I thought he was pulling over to get behind me, and a rush of nasty, fear, horror-based chemicals rushed through my body, and I realized right then I got police contact terror syndrome. And it's funny, too, that, you know, we talk about that, um, and I don't like making comparisons in this manner, but... Just think carefully about the behavior that's going on between a lot of, especially like in the South, with a lot of these police officers, their tactics function quite similar to those of the SS. You well, create yeah. fear. Exactly. Not, exactly. You not create that. Fear I think you guys with, might with, have... With small acts of intimidation, and then they a, escalate. There was, a, there was a cop that killed, um, I think he killed an old man at a picnic in um, L.A., right, an, old, an older black man at a picnic in L.A., and um, there was a quote from the guy, and he was saying that he likes to um, pull over and, um, and, you know, basically harass, you know, 
groups of young black kids, you know, just so that, um, you know, that when they see black, you know, police officers, you know what I mean, that they are instantly afraid, you know. So, I mean, you know, they're, and we were, and they were talking about on the radio here in D.C., like, you know, a lot of times the police officers will just ride around town with their lights on, you know, and they'll pull behind you. And then they'll and they'll follow you for a while, and then they'll you know they'll just move on, you know. But it's just yeah. it's really and just to intimidate you, you know. Yeah, and Colors. like Colors. what the what the thing I the thing I tell people is this: tell me one, tell me one Jew that does not get angry about the fact that they were rounded up into into prison camps and into death camps. Tell me one Jew who did not get angry about their family and their and members of their families and friends being slaughtered just because they belong to a certain group. Right, and people Tell me one person that wouldn't actually that get angry. Tell me they wouldn't flip their shit. Right, right. If their family were threatened day in and day out. Yeah, people for forget that there were uprisings. The yeah, people forget there were uprisings in the ghettos. Like, right, absolutely. Like people, Jewish people didn't just sit around and let the Nazis kill them. Until like exactly. Americans came, you know what I mean? They there were uprisings in the ghettos. People killed Nazi 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 um, soldiers. You know what I mean? They they yeah. Yeah. Exactly. you know people forget about the people forget about you know teams like you know the Bilsky brothers, who in real life actually went throughout the Belarusian villages and actually took on several Nazi camps one by one. Right. So you don't look at those guys and go. They should they should sit down and shut up. It'll get right. better eventually if they just mm-hmm. do their piece. No, they didn't say that. They said no. Fuck you. I'm going right. to do what I have to do to rescue my people. Right. I'm not going to sit here and allow my people to be slaughtered and taken down and killed and dragged in the streets. Fuck you. They only expect Fuck black people to be. Um, I'm going to get ours. Right. They only expect black people to be nonviolent. Um, a lot of different ethnicities brag about uh, uh, revenge type. You know, somebody that's in my family, we, we, we mess them up. You know what I mean? Uh, meaning, uh, what I've noticed is that Jewish people, they, they don't take this shit. They nip it in the bud. Even little small, um, uh, like there's some Jew, uh, teacher who cracked a Jewish joke, boom, they nip it in the bud, he's fired. I don't believe for a second that there would be a Jewish community that could have a police chief with a Confederate flag on his living room wall, or a, a swastika on, on their lip. You know what I mean? They would, he'd be gone. He'd be fired. Quick. Exactly. But instead, they got the residual effects of this guy. You know, you guys, there was something really weird that happened on the show the other day. You know when you get these, like, trolls that call up, and you don't know if it's, like, a right-wing troll or a, or a um, an enforcement troll, right? So this guy comes right. on the phone. Uh, he's from a kid member from Texas, and he first starts talking about, well, how do you know Michael Brown didn't didn't hit the cop? And I'm going, okay, we don't know, blah, 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 blah. And then he switched into, well, I'm from Alabama, and I love the Confederate flag, and it don't mean what it means to you, to me, because I'm from the South. And I'm going, okay. And then I started talking about, you know, well, you know, these police officers need to have cameras on them the entire time they're uh, on shift, and they can have no control over turning the cameras off or muting the microphones or erasing the footage afterwards. And they need, this footage needs to go 
to civilian um, groups that, you know, uh, watch and monitor and, and go through this footage. And then this guy who was said, well, why y'all doing all this talking and why don't y'all start a militia and be like the Black Panthers? And I said, nigga, did you just go from love of the Confederate flag to telling us we should be like the Black Panthers? You... <laughs> and then I said to somebody, I said, what do you, I said, what does he sound like to y'all? And, they, and then somebody else said, a plant. So why are you telling us to go grab some guns when a few seconds ago you were telling us about your love for the Confederate flag? It was really weird, y'all. It was really weird. I'm like, I don't know if you've seen the, the documentary on HBO called The New Bergstein. Okay? Did you see the documentary? You need to watch no, it. No, never heard of okay? it. Okay? You need to watch it. And what it will show you is how this, uh, 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 um, this plant, this informant fella, uh, was hired basically to generate um, a terror cell in the black neighborhood, and he got some kind of ragtag uh, group, and the news played up like they had been together forever, but they just got together three weeks ago, and they made it look like some black folks in the hood were trying to bomb two synagogues. Oh wow. In New York, well, look see, it up, HBO. But the thing mm-hmm. is, is that, you know, you have a lot of people, seeing what a lot of people, what's not being reported is a lot of the, you know, the people that are down in Ferguson are not the people from Ferguson. And actually some mm-hmm. of the incidents of the past couple of weeks have been caused by white anarchists. They were the ones throwing urine and bottles at the police. And Molotovs. Exactly. Yeah, there's a video I posted yesterday. Right. Yeah, but what I'm saying is, they're pointing. Yes, and they're pointing the finger at the black protesters, and that's not what's happening. And what I find interesting is that Amnesty International is down there. The UN has sent representatives down there. Um, You have a number of different groups down there monitoring the situation. And, you know, the irony of it is, you know, when they were having the uprisings in Egypt and a number of other places, you know, America, you know, we had a lot of media coverage about it. You know, um, everybody had something to say. But when it's happening here in this country, crickets. Not too many people, not a lot of media coverage. The reason why it's getting any media media coverage now is because of black Twitter. Right. Black Twitter. That mm-hmm. is a force to be dealt well, with. Well, not you know, them, but there's Twitter. a couple of independent news um, well, outlets like Democracy Now! that have also been reporting it, too. Um, oh, yeah, but, no, no, I wasn't going to forget about I wasn't going to forget about them, but I mean, but the real yeah. catalyst has been black Twitter. Oh, agreed, agreed, you know, agreed. You know, you all want to see, but I mean, I personally, I am a little bit outdone at Barack Obama's um, response to the situation. Um, I've I've been very upset about, you know, what he had, his response. Um, You know, I was reading some of Mark Lamont Hill's responses to it. And, you know, basically, I'll read this quote here. He said, even if one were to believe that Michael Brown's killing had nothing to do with race, a naive position at best, the wave of protests and debates that emerged after it happened have been undeniably racial. By not mentioning this race, racial dimension, the president reinforced the immature notion that racism can be defeated simply by pretending it doesn't exist. Doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. 
rather than leading the nation into a new level of racial understanding and dialogue, the president took the safe path through the door of racial, post-racial rhetoric. Now, where I'm coming from with this is, you know, I didn't like the president's response. I, I made it quite clear. Um, I don't like Jesse Jackson or Al Sharpton's response. You know, you rush your butts down there to Ferguson to tell them that you're going to pray for them, really? Really? No, you could you could have stayed at home and tweeted that. And then they went there, they were asking for <laughs> donations, and the, and, the, and the people booed them. And I was happy that the people booed them because, I mean, I just, they're not serving a purpose. They're not trying to put forth real solutions to this. Not only for Ferguson, we have the opportunity to implement solutions across the entire nation, not only with, you know, the, you know, the demilitarization of the police, you know, departments, but from my understanding, and I haven't gone out to confirm this or find any information because it's just been Ferguson overload the past couple of weeks for me, but from my understanding, there is supposed to be some type of investigation initiated by the White House as to how police funding is being used for you know, militarization of these police departments. So I, I'm not sure. I need to look that up. Don't quote me, but, um, you know, it's something worth looking into. And well, here's Rich, and he fell off the line. Um, basically, they were saying that the White House was, you know, putting out an investigation to find out how police funding is being used to militarize the police departments. I need to look that up and get more information. And as I get the information, I will share like I normally do. Go ahead, Travis. There was a thing called, so some kind of thing is taken on. 1033 had has been part of it, and what it was was the military gave these police departments this, this stuff, but there was a stipulation in it that said you had to use these tanks and, and gear and things within a year. And I'm going, wait a minute. The military is telling the police what stuff they got to use on citizens in less mm-hmm. than a year? Yep. Ooh, that's rough. Is anybody else? I'm, I'm not crazy. No, 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 you're not crazy. You're not crazy at all. Actually, there was um, there was a talk about one of the, um, I think it's called the Bearcat, right? And um, the Bearcat. Um, oh, yeah. Like, yeah, the Bearcat is like, it, they, like, they don't even really use it that often in the military because it breaks up roads, right? Like, it destroys streets. But, um, but, like, you know, it's just not practical for a lot of the stuff that they're doing now, right? So, like, they've mm-hmm. given some of these things away to, like, local police departments. And so, like, in Ferguson, they have the Bearcat out, and they're telling people, um, you know, like, there have been people who have had, like, you know, rifles on top of it with, like, scopes and stuff. But, like, the police are saying, no, 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 it's just there for, like, people, for, like, carrying personnel and all that type of stuff. But, like, if you see, like, the video that they use to sell this shit, it's, like, it's got, like, you know, like, 80s, like, hairband rock. You know what I mean? And, like, people, like, people piling into this and then, like, getting out of it with guns and they're sitting on top of it with rifles. So it's very clear what the purpose of this Bearcat really is. You know what I mean? But they're, like, trying to do this snow job on the public, you know, and saying, exactly. oh, no, 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 we're just using it to carry personnel, you know? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it's been a lot of 
been a lot of incidents like that because when they were protesting up in Detroit about the water shutoff, they used um, one of those military um, weapons that, you know, with a high decibel noise sound. Oh, they used that down clear- in Georgia, too. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. I was going to say, but I was just, you know, letting them know they use it in several different places with peaceful protesters. And this is what is happening. And, I mean, this is why you have so many people believing, you know, that, what's that guy's name, the InfoWars guy? Even though I think a lot of this thing is nuts. We don't even have to remember his name. But this is why some of these people are starting to buy Alex Jones, by more and more these conspiracies, you know, and going back to what I was talking about early, earlier, the LEA, Law Enforcement Administration Act. So look that up in conjunction with the Voting Rights Act of 1965. But um, um, it, it's just the whole thing is interesting. But, yes, they are using, you know, military um, um, weaponry on the citizens you know, in, in an effort to, to quell them. But why aren't they using that same type of, you know, equipment with the people over at the Bundy Ranch? I don't understand that. You're right. The Bundy Ranch didn't even point guns at the police. Can you believe that? Yeah. If they, they, point guns, if they pointed them. guns, if the protesters in Ferguson had guns on the police in Ferguson, <laughs> y'all, <laughs> Ferguson, Ferguson would cease to exist. They'd be well, like, they're not supposed to, but one of the military guys said that they are in um, Afghanistan or in Iraq. They weren't even pointing guns at, 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 at citizens. That was outside of their instructions. So these um, bigots that, uh, that would uh, be on this, uh, you know, why don't the police just go home and leave these people alone? Because to me, it seems like they're doing nothing but ramping up the situation. It seems really peculiar like that. It's like a test run. I really think that these people who have been instructed they have to use this militarized gear, I really think they thought there was going to be riots during the Zimmerman verdict. And they were sad. But you know what? You know why they do it. I mean, part of why they do it. I mean, I don't know. Um, what part, like where they are in terms of like their election cycles down in Ferguson, but this whole notion of being tough on crime and stuff is very popular amongst you know um, certain kinds of voters, shall we say? You know, um, you know, and it 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 goes over very well, you know, um, especially because you know the people in this situation are primor- primarily black. You know what I mean? Exactly. So, yeah. can, we, can we also talk about? I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. No. Can we also talk about? Oh, yeah. This is. It's red. Um, okay. Can we also talk about um, these black leaders out here apologizing for the behavior of these black citizens? Because I think that's bullshit. Also. But you know what it is. Straight up behavior. But see, what they're doing is they're making all of the all of the people down there responsible for the looting. And the fact of the matter is, and, and this is not necess- you know being covered by the media as well as it should be either. There are actually protesters who who step away from protesting to protect businesses in the community exactly. from looting. You know what I mean? So, exactly. the, so the protesters are policing themselves. You know what I mean? Exactly. 
And in addition, there are some protesters that are out there giving roses and water to the police officers that are patrolling. So, I mean, you know, they're not covering that type of thing. But, um, yeah, no, I've seen it, and I was angry when Jesse Jackson and Al Sharpton told those people to go home and be quiet and stop protesting, and then in the same breath ask for donations. And what the hell is Ayala doing down there? Missouri. 
when white people in Missouri think about integration, they're thinking they're comfortable with numbers like 10% black. That's integration yeah. to them. Do you understand what I'm saying? That is integration exactly. to them. So you have to think about that. So the, so remember, Clinton was the one. Clinton Clinton executed a a a mentally disabled man who yep. was black. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Clinton Clinton didn't, Clinton didn't you know he didn't you know decide okay I can reverse this pattern of incarceration that you know unfairly targets black people. He doubled down on it because he needed exactly. votes in Arkansas. You know exactly. what I mean? He had to prove he had to prove his credentials as being tough on crime in order to win in Arkansas, and that is what Democrats have to do, particularly in these states that are red or purple. They even have exactly. to do them in the blue states, really. To be truth be told, but they really have to do them in purple and and red states. And you know that this country leans. They say it leans center right, but it really leans right. Let's just be real about it. You know what I mean? Exactly. And the thing is, is that, you know, since we're talking about Bill Clinton, a lot of what has transpired in the past, you know, 20 years or so has to do do with Bill Clinton's policies. The mortgage bubble that just burst, you know, know, a few years ago, that was because of Bill Clinton. Everybody was blaming George Bush, but it was because of deregulation through Bill Clinton. The issue was that quote-unquote entitlement programs being cut, like, you know, public aid and the work, the welfare-to-work programs, that was because of Bill Clinton. He did not show those people any compassion or any empathy. This is why we have more homeless people, you know, walking around, why, why a lot of programs and mental health has, you know, have been um, cut. And so, you know, I'm, I'm yeah. telling people you have to look at the situation and look at what just happened with um, Barack Obama when he cut food stamps, he cut SNAP. Now, this is the trick. A lot of people don't realize this. The majority of the money that was cut was cut from inner cities, but they left the rural areas alone, which means the white people still get theirs, but the ones in the city, they're not getting as much as they used to get, and some people are getting kicked off the roads. And I'm like, you know, and I'm sitting here, and I'm looking, and black people are voting for Democrats. They'll just vote a straight Democratic ticket. And my thing is they've been taking our votes for granted, and they've also they've had to placate to their you know, poor white, racist white um, voters, those constituents. And this is why I'm looking at these people who say that their votes don't count. Yes, your votes do count. Look at what's happening down there in Ferguson. Right. How is the police department? Right. Like, how is the city, you know, 60, they're damn near 70% black, and there's there's like one person on the city council that's black? The reason is is because of 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 the votes, you know, and it's not just that people black people don't get out there and register in Ferguson. It's because of policies like not having extended voting hours. You know what I mean? Or, you know, having very short or not voting being able to actually fill out your ballot, forcing people to have to show up right. that may not have transportation exactly. and making or, people have to show up to these voting without being able to actually mail their votes. Right, or unfair voter ID laws. You know, that kind of stuff. So, you know, you have to think about that, too. I mean, you know, we're, we're getting to a point now where, I mean, very shortly we'll see poll taxes. I'm convinced. You know, we're getting back to that oh, yeah. point. We're already it, doing it, it with it, the it, ID. Yeah, with the ID it, is, it is a poll tax. You're right. Voter ID is a poll tax. 
but yeah, it's, I mean, it's, especially but, people, it's going to get worse than that, I believe. You know right, because I mean? they, they let certain IDs through and not. It's even it's worse right. than the poll tax. It's um, um, like the uh, saying that it's okay to use a hunting license, but you can't use a school ID. What, what right. is that? Exactly. You know, I mean, that's an attack. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. No, I'm right there with you. It's okay to use a hunting license. It's okay to use even your damn fishing license, which only costs $2. But, you know, you can use that, but you can't use your, your student ID. And it's just, it's really, the thing is really interesting. But, yeah, you know, with the poll taxes, like, like I told you, I was having a hard time registering to vote. They want this, they want that. I'm like, you used to just be able to take my damn ID, my Social Security card, and my birth certificate. Now that ain't good enough anymore. And the thing is, is that a lot of people can't afford it because a lot of people can't afford to get a driver's license or a state ID. There are some people that don't have access to their birth certificates. You know, my grandmother was born in 1919. She does not have a birth certificate. You right. understand? It's so in 1919, you know, they weren't even letting black uh, blacks into hospitals. You know, exactly. they to give birth. Exactly. So, so yeah. You know, so that's what I'm saying. And then they'll say, "Oh, well, we'll accept the bat- baptismal records." You know, and I mean, and it's, and this is what we what we mean when we talk about separation of church and state. You understand that that's one of the issues right there. How the hell are you taking you you will take their baptismal record over my birth certificate? How? Right. How? And so I'm just sitting here and I'm looking at it, but the Democratic Party, this is why I lean towards, you know, you know, I'm independent, but I'm leaning more towards the Green Party, even though it's a lot of fuckery over there, too. But, um... Well, the truth is, we I'm don't really sitting. have, a, we don't really have, we don't really have, um, you know, options in our democracy. Right. That's the problem. Exactly. That's the real issue. You know? Exactly. Now, my question to you, to you and Travis, and if Red calls back in, it's for him too. Okay, so with the unrest and the rebellion that's happening now in Ferguson and, you know, it's actually happening across this country, it's just not getting the the media coverage because they've been protesting in L.A., they've been protesting here in Chicago, they've been protesting in Ohio and New York, all over the place for a number of different reasons, not only in solidarity with Ferguson, but because of different shooting incidents and and, and and uneasiness in all of these other places. Now, getting back to what I was saying with the Democratic Party, de Blasio up there in New York, he was the first Democrat to win the office of mayor in forever, and he won because he was questioning the police tactics. He said he was going to do more investigation. So now it seems like the tide is turning a little bit as far as, like, you know, um, tough on crime, that people are starting to question a lot. I disagree with that. I mean, I like. The, I mean, De Blasio is certainly better and more progressive right. than what they've had in New York in ages. But he also mm-hmm. supported. He also brought in the guy, um, you know, his chief of police. You know what I mean? Who is yeah. in favor of stopping frisk and also, you know, he doesn't. He doesn't. Um, you know, he he supports broken windows as a policy. You know what I mean? Right. But what so I, like, I'm not. But I'm not talking well, about. I'm not talking. About his, I'm not talking about that. I was talking about his campaign, how okay. he campaigned. Okay, well, oh, yeah. No, 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 no. 
his campaign, he ran it differently. He's, you know, he ran his campaign as being a little softer on crime, um, being more amenable to black and brown um, communities. So he won based on that. I'm not talking about what he did after he was elected. Okay. I'm talking about just the way that he based his campaign. And I'm okay. right there with you, and I agree. He brought in that racist prick that, you know, that, you know, people were protesting about initially in the first place. But, right. you know, I believe, you know, a lot of that is because of political ties. I mean, the guy that was running the Chicago, there was Red Ninja again, let me bring him in. The guy that was running the Chicago um, Police Department, after they pushed him out of Chicago, they found him some other position. You know, he was an FBI guy, came here to Chicago, and a lot, a lot of people don't understand or don't realize that a lot of these appointees to these departments is nothing but, you know, political chess. They move each other around. So you get in trouble over here, so they move you to another city. They put you in another position. Just like, you know, any company you work for, you have people that are just total screw-ups. They promote them up and out the way because mm-hmm. they're well-liked. You're a screw-up, but you're the president of the company's, you know, um, brother-in-law. So he had to give you a job. So, you know, yeah, you're not doing good over here, but we'll put you in this department you know, taking care of these people. And so you have a lot of these political appointees. But anyway, going back. Can, can you, you guys hear me okay? That, yes. Yep. Yes, Rick, we got you. We got you. Do you believe that we can take this incident with Ferguson and demand a moratorium on public policies? Do, do you believe that we can actually, you know, force them to look? Because, see, the Supreme Court even said, well, the males on the Supreme Court, the conservative males on the Supreme Court, says that if they look at public policies that are out here that are biased against, you know, people of color, then that's racist. It's racist to look at the racist policies. Do you believe we have a chance in forcing them to actually go back and look at this and make changes? I mean, I don't. I'm not not certain. I'm not certain that, that that's um, something that's going to happen anytime soon. I really am not. I think we're looking at a 20, 30-year battle at the very least, you know what I mean, in terms of trying to reverse a lot of these policies because the the main gatekeepers are going to be those people on Supreme on the Supreme Court, you know what I mean? And, yeah. you know, they they basically have to die. You know, they're there for life, you know, unless they unless they resign. And I think I think we're looking at a twenty to thirty year struggle. I don't think it's going to happen, um, you know, anytime soon. But I and, and then also, you know, we have to. There's other things that we have to repeal too that aren't necessarily directly related to, you know, civil rights mm-hmm. or voting rights. You know, there's there's um, there's a you know what's that what's that law? Um, you know the um, the law basically that recognizes um, corporations as people. You know what I mean? So, yeah, Citizens United. I couldn't think of it right then. Um, but yeah, so you know, it's it's going to take a while. It really is. I mean, it's, it's not going to happen anytime soon. That's how I feel. Yeah, about yeah, it. I gotta agree with that because you know people always say, well, like, um, what are you going to do? And I'm like, hey man, we're on the let everybody know level right here. There's so many people who don't know, and we don't know all the horrors that are in place. Right. And until we figure out all of those, how are we going to start remedying anything? Because right. until you exactly. find out where all the tragedy is, how are you going to start fixing it? Now, you can start cleaning up, but you can't start fixing it until you figure out where all the holes are. you got to patch up all the holes. So one hole is police 
militarization. Another hole is police being trained to empty their gun in citizens. Another right. hole is that they only do that on black people for the most part, right? right. Another, you see what I mean? Another hole is this, the military telling police they need to use this, mil- this military gear uh, within a year or lose it. Oh, so now you've got the military scaring police into having to use uh, extreme equipment on citizens. That's nuts by itself. Right. And you keep going, you keep going down the line. Like I was saying the other day, you know what? Um, Hillary ain't gonna win. She ain't gonna win the election because she's not gonna talk right about this kind of issue, and that is gonna generate an apathy that you know the right wing they'll hold their nose and vote for whoever, right? But I'm not doing that. I'm not gonna be doing that if. Because uh, what was it? Lane Brown was breaking down that Bill Clinton was one. She was talking about calling the black president, talking about all of that. Remember that? And she said mm-hmm. he was the worst president for black people. She said he put in three strikes are out, the uh, welfare reform, and something else. Something else that was horrible. But see, part of it, part of it is getting black people to recognize that too, because a lot of black people were in favor of three strikes. You know, I, can, right. I, I a lot of my family members were like, "Yes, put those people in jail," but they don't but they realize only use it on you. That's yeah, the whole point. they don't yeah. realize. Yeah, I mean, and, and not just that, but like, you know, there's there's a whole lot of there's a whole lot of things that are connected to this, and a lot of us, even who are progressive or call ourselves liberals, that we have to we have to understand and we have to be prepared to swallow and get rid of a lot of our our old beliefs, our old outdated beliefs, like things about, you know, prisoners being able to regain, you know, people who, you know, have lost their voting rights because they committed a crime. We have to be willing to fight for their right to vote. You know what I mean? We have to be willing to get rid of that get rid of that impulse that we've all come up with since we were children. You know, I remember when I was taught a child as a child that, you know, you lose your voting rights if you if you're a felon. You know what I mean? And I thought, right. oh, that's great. That's a good thing. And then I got older and I was like, wait a second, why is that a good thing? That's not a good thing. <laughs> you know what Well I mean? the reason why it's not a good thing, I would yeah. I would say this is a start would be is that the police forces are sick on black communities and brown communities in order to give folks a crime. You see what I'm saying? They're right. trying to get you on a felony. They're mm-hmm. trying to get you on something. Exactly. And, and that's what I had to come to so realize. That's what that I had to come to realize, stat, that you're sort of set up, you know? Yeah, the one stat that blew my mind and opened my eyes to that fact was the stat that said that if you are black, you are eight times as likely to be arrested for possession of marijuana in Iowa, when eight times as likely right. in Iowa if you're black, when Iowa is 93% white and 3 three to 4% black. What is that? Right. That is such a horrific number. That means they're only going after you. Right. Right. Yeah. And exactly. It, I was going to say, like, my thing is, the thing we have to think about, too, um, I want to go back to your question in regards to do you think that um, this will cause us to insist on a moratorium? I would have to say um, I'm slightly more optimistic because at least with this particular situation, what's happening is that um, hopefully the American public's eyes are being opened about just how tenuous this idea of post-racialism really is 
and I hope that people get angry enough that they will demand micro and macro level changes both um, within their within the city, within the townships, and then eventually within the state. And then once we make enough noise, hopefully, hopefully we'll be able to appeal to the Supreme Court with more terms so that these laws can be created to protect our citizens. I'm slightly more optimistic, but I have a guarded optimism because I have a feeling that nothing's really going to change until more people get killed, until more people get hurt in our black communities. It's well, going to take a national, it's literally going to take a national level uprising um, mm-hmm. in order for anything to really change permanently. It's well, going to so take, I'm going to tell you, keep hope alive, bro, but I'm, I'm not that. I don't think it's going to happen. You know, I don't even know if it'll happen in my lifetime. I think this is a long fight and some of us have, be, have better be prepared for that, you know? I think you're right, Raina, say, about the length of time, because when you start talking about Supreme Court justices and judges and lifetime appointments, we're talking about a 40-, 50-year fight. We're talking mm-hmm. about people spending their entire life working on this and not stopping. Because right. if anybody – what, what I don't get is, where – I'm serious. I'm calling out my parents' generation – uh, uh, if you are black and you're 50, 40, you're, you're in the, like the late 40s to what, early 70s, man, well, how did y'all stop, you know what I mean, after Martin Luther King was killed? You know what I'm saying? And I, I like, like it was over. And what it is because they were so thorough in how they did it, right? They killed Malcolm first. They got rid of Malcolm first. So you kill Martin Luther King, boom, everybody switch over to Malcolm. You kill Malcolm, Martin Luther King keeps preaching the same thing. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's really it's really um it's really horrific. Uh to and think and that here we are in twenty fourteen and we are still talking about uh black people getting chokeholded to death because he sold a loose cigarette. Are you mm-hmm. kidding me? Well, meanwhile, you got other people who are crashing stock markets and poisoning oceans. Seriously, I really think that the only way, the only way, the only way to stop the police from chokeholding black people to death is if the police start pretending that black people are really white people. Okay, and right? I mean, honestly, yeah, look, no, I, mean, I don't think there's any other way to do it because they don't they do not do that to white people. They don't chokehold white people to death. So, right. um you, we might, there might have to be some kind of mass uh, hypnosis that if you're near a cop, you agree to be hypnotized to see everybody as white. Because otherwise you'd have to, well, otherwise your only cho- choice of a chance of living would be if somebody is um, getting chokeholded to death and you're taping it, you, you, you can't just tape it. You've got to start yelling, hey, 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 stop it. He's white. He's really white. That's Tom Hanks in the mask. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's funny. No, but funny. I mean, you shouldn't. You shouldn't have to do that, though. You, you know, it's, no, you shouldn't have you to should, do that. You should be. You but, should. People's humanity should just be, you know, accepted as a fact. But, but Marina, if, it, if it's fifty, forty years, yeah. we're going to have to do that. No. <laughs> right. I mean, I mean, we shouldn't have to do it, but dang, we shouldn't have to work. We shouldn't have to be talking about this. Right, right, We right. shouldn't have to even, even – Well, be, I think the uh, whole problem is, is, is I think, like I said, I think this really goes to about a lot of our basic assumptions about what crime is, 
about what police forces are supposed to do, you know what I mean, about who they're supposed to protect and who they're supposed who they to serve are. and who they, who are. they are. You know, I think I think there's a lot of yeah. fundamental problems with our society and the way that we think about things. And I think the only way to fix them is to really get at the root of how we think about those things and, and not exactly. just to keep applying Band-Aids to the situation. You know, moratoriums right. are good. You know, revolution is better. You know what I mean? So, you know. Yeah, and um, I have to I have to say that um, it's it sucks that we, you know, in America, that we have to keep reminding people that police brutality really is a thing. You know, because I the thing is I get a lot when I talk to people about this. It's like you know what I wish. I could say that I live in a post-racial society. I wish I could say that when people see me, that they don't see a black man, that they just see a man. But I don't live in that world, and I don't live in that country. Mm-hmm. And I never Old did planet. live in that country. Right. And that, that, that thing, that fact upsets everybody. Hopefully it upsets black people the most, is that they can't be seen for their common humanity. They right. have to be seen from a certain vantage point. And... We're we're not going to learn this lesson quickly, um, and it's it's a shame. Well, I mean, it's it's it, again again it's a, it, it goes again to a, like I said to a lot of our our assumptions that we live with that we never challenge. You know, I mean, there was a there was a um, a performance art um, artist in Philadelphia who um, laid out and on the ground um, had you know you know fake bullet wounds in his body and laid out um, and put police tape around himself. And there were tourists taking pictures around his body saying, I bet he deserved it, you know, um, things like, you know, good, it's a dead nigger, you know, all that. Yeah, crazy. these are people who, you know, were taking pictures gleefully, smiling in front of the body and everything. So I think there's a, um, you know, and, and, you know, this, this is a, you know, I'm, I'm going a little bit off subject here when I talk about this, but, like, you know, it happens from the time that we're children. You know what I mean? Children can be taught to identify with everything, everything. They can, be, they can identify with penguins. They can identify with, like, you know, talking toys. You know what I mean? But, like, mm-hmm. try to find some books that have primarily, you know, um, you know people of color in the, in the, you know, protagonist role. You know, right? And you'll be hard pressed. You know what I mean? But a lot of the, a lot of that has to do with how people see themselves and how they see how they see other people. You know, you're we're taught to identify with white people and with you know images of of light skinned heroes. You know what I mean? With Western values and all of these things, and we're taught that all these other things are sort of alien or foreign. You know, we can identify with green men. We can identify with Martians and robots as kids. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right. E.T. But we can't find, we can't really find a whole lot of evidence uh, or a whole lot of stuff for, for kids to look at that has people of color, you know, in the main role. And, and the thing is, is that, you know, what's interesting about that, and you're correct, I agree with you on that, what's interesting is this is one of the reasons why we kind of band together, you know, um, as groups. 
and why we kind of rely on each other and we support each other because, you know, in some cases these are the only positive images that we see. In some cases this is the only support that we get. In some cases these are the only people that understand what I'm dealing with because they're dealing with the same issue and we're dealing with this because of no fault of our own. And so it's just it's really interesting, you know, on how all of that, you know, kind of forces us together in certain regards. I mean, we're not a monolith, of course not, but um, there are times when we do have to put our collective voices together in, in order to affect, you know, real change. And we've been kind of forced into that corner, if you will. Um, you know, I'm still talking about this, but I'm just going to switch off to something that I was talking about earlier, and I just, I just feel that it needs to be addressed. Um, the lack of response in the secular community, because a lot of, you know, in a lot of these debates, you know, a lot of secularists or humanists or atheists or what have you, they use it as a gotcha point in some regards as to what, you know, what is the, you know, believing community doing for the community in general, the black community in particular. And I'm like I said, I, I'm just in awe of some of what I've seen them put together, the way that they organize, how they sent people down to Ferguson, and, yeah, they're buying them groceries, they're getting the kids school clothes, they're getting the kids school supplies, you know. They're making they're, lunches. You know, they're making lunches for protesters, some of yeah, them. Yeah, exactly. And they're using the churches as triage centers. So, right. you know, they're using the nalocs and things like that to tell people yeah. with tear And they're giving out with... gas masks. I mean, some of these exactly. people are giving out gas masks. They're, they're out there pouring milk into people's eyes. You know yeah. what I mean? They're, yeah. I mean, they're, they're doing some phenomenal things down there. And, there's, and where are the secular groups? Where are the atheist groups? Where are the humanists? Nowhere. The Particularly the American, particularly hey, the American atheists. Right. You know, like were, were there any groups out there at all? Well, I mean, the only the only secular groups they're not like secular groups in terms of like atheist community, secular like activist secular groups, but like um, human Human Rights Watch and like Amnesty International are two are two of the organizations that stand out. Also, UN the UN has sent you know people down there, but there's no there as far as as far as I've seen, I've seen no evidence of American atheists. Not no American Humanist Association, no no FFRS, right? No FFRS, like none of them. No CFI, no CFI, you know, so, right? Right. Not even you know, SSA. None of that. Not even SSA. Exactly. Yeah. You know, I mean, I've donated some money, and I want to donate some more money, and and I want to send some supplies down there, and you know, they're sending a contingent of people from Chicago to Ferguson, and I think I'm just going to go and buy some supplies and give it to them when they because they're coming down there. Um, there's going to be a contingent coming down there. They're they're leaving today. They should have gone by now, and they're coming there down there for the um the funeral tomorrow as well as the protest. There's going to be another protest tomorrow. And there are okay. protests happening all across the country. There's one happening tomorrow here in Chicago in solidarity. In mm-hmm. Exactly. So, I mean, I'm just, you know, I'm asking people to find out what's happening in your local city and support if you can. If they have a contingent of people going down there and you can't go yourself, donate to the GoFundMe. You know, take them some supplies over there. I mean, you know, go buy, go to the janitorial store and buy a big-ass bag of toilet paper. They need it down there. Go, you know, you can get the powdered milk 
the milk will work fine with the eyes too. You know what I mean? Right. Mm-hmm. I mean so. I mean, there are things that that can be done. There are things that can be done um, to help the people down there, but um, the secular community, nothing. Not only have I not seen them send anyone, and I mean, I personally would go down there if I was able to. And there are a number of reasons why I can't go down there. Um, But um, I would go. I would go. You know, and you know, have contacts down there, so I would have a place to stay. So I wouldn't be asking people for donations for me, a hotel room, Jesse Jackson, and, you know, people like that. You know what I mean? Um, and it's just it's unreal. It's absolutely unreal. But not only are we not sitting engines down there. Well, well, hold on a second. I mean, this is the main thing that gets me. It's like, you know, I understand if you can't send anyone down there. And, I mean, this economy has hit everybody. So I understand even if you ain't got no ends to donate, that's fine. You know, it happens. You know, it happens to the best of us. Been there, done that. But we're not even getting any real support on Facebook or Twitter. They're ignoring it like it never happened. We can't get your moral support, really? Right. Uh, right, and like okay. the the whole thing We're about that too is like I would say there is very very little coming out of the secular community, even in terms of just actual coverage, actually broaching right. these issues of the Ferguson protests. One of the you know as much shit as like atheism plus takes sometimes, um, I have to give it up to some of those guys because those are. Some of these guys really do have their fingers on the pulse of social justice. And, you know, again, like artists like, you know, Sikafu Hutchinson have done an amazing job, but it's not literally enough. And it's amazing that, you know, FFRF, you know, the American Atheists, and all these guys talk about how much of a better world they want to create and how much better they are than the religious folks. But when it comes to getting down and actually working with a lot of these lower-level communities to try to improve circumstances, they're nowhere to be found. The only thing they want to fight is religion, but they don't want to fight what religion actually provides, which is actual support for these communities. And it's just, it's, I'm losing patience with that. Right, and I mean, right. I think I've, and, I, and, I, and I've, you know, me and Kim, we've talked about this on um, on Twitter chat just this past week, you know, um, there's a lot of people in this community that I've seen, you know, say when um, the videotape, for example, with him in the store and the cigars, you know, came out, they were like, see, see, that's why we have to wait for all the evidence. But see, what they're doing is, what they don't realize that what they're doing is, is that they're, um, they're basically saying that his killing was justified or what happened in that situation was justified because he was a criminal. And I think, and they don't realize that also by, by engaging in that they're, they're um, promoting the stereotype that black people are suspects. You know what I mean? Exactly. That, we're, that we're suspect in what we do, that we can't be victims. And, that, and they're also, and this goes along with the whole rape culture thing that we've talked about before. It's like, you know, if you're not a perfect victim, it's like they can't get behind you. You know what I mean? Like there's this expectation that you have to be completely above reproach or else whatever happens to you is somehow deserved. You know what I, I mean? I agree with that. Yeah, it's dirty. It's really dirty how it's they do really that. It's really dirty. Like, I mean, and it's ridiculous. Look, ridiculous. to act like you could justify anybody being executed on the street like that when the Batman killer that wasn't executed, 
on the street. He just killed a bunch of people. And right. he, 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 he didn't have a scratch. Right. Right. And, and the, the other thing, too, is like, you, you, speaking about the Batman killer and all this, um, I hope I'm not the only one that's noticed that, you know, when when these guys like the Batman killer and, you know, like Elliot Rogers commit blatant violent crimes, all of a sudden we're interested in psychoanalyzing these people. Absolutely. What, what to actually establish. You know, we want to have conversations yeah. about how mental illness is such a terrible thing, and it is a terrible right. thing. Mental illness right. is a serious issue. But mm-hmm. this issue is hijacked when a white murderer or when a blatant criminal does a criminal act. We want to talk about how what a horrible life this guy had. Right. And how mentally screwed right. up. Right. I mean, nobody wanted but to do that Mike for Brown a gets killed, corner. Right. Yeah. Exactly. When Mike yeah. Brown gets killed, or when black teenagers get killed, or when they get arrested for actually defending their home turf, we're not interested in investigating their home lives. We're not interested in actually plumbing their situations and trying to actually trying to be sympathetic to these victims. We're not interested in that. All we're interested in is saying. They are to blame for their circumstances. But with I Elliot mean, look Rogers look and the Batman very, killer not to blame for their circumstances, I mean, look if at we're going to apply to one, we should apply it to all. Yeah, look, yeah. At, look at all the various headlines that have come out on, in, in a lot of these situations. Remember when the Colorado shooting happened? One of the articles that came out was the shooter was a brilliant scientist. Really? Really? We're right. praising him. We're praising his okay. First of all, and and that wasn't that was a a big over you know um, over exaggeration too. It turned out, but um, you know I mean they put that out there. Then there was that article that AP put out that was saying that um, homeowner shoots um, you know shoots a uh, you know woman on uh, in the face you know that knocked on his door in the middle of the night. You know, kind of just sort of highlighting the fact that he was a homeowner as though that somehow makes what he did okay, you know what I mean, or understandable. Right. Like, he was a homeowner, you know. You know, if you if someone knocks on your door in the middle of the night, yeah, you might want to shoot them too. Like, no, that's not no, how that don't. goes. Right. So it's like, you know, the, look at how these headlines get written when, exactly. you know, the, the, the individuals involved are people of color. You know, it's like there's no type of empathy, no type of compassion. It's always automatically assumed that the that black people have done something wrong or something that made them deserve to get hurt or arrested or what have you. Right, you know? and it's that victim-blaming mentality that has been a part of the American media for so long. And yeah. um, the, quite frankly... Hello? Did we lose him again? I think we lost him again. Well, oh, no. oh, no, no, he, he's, on, um, he's still here, according to um, Skype. Okay, he'll call back. But no, mm-hmm. what he was saying, though, was um, the victim-blaming mentality. But in addition to this, in America, if you are a white person, especially a white male, any time you commit some type of violent act, it's heralded to a certain mm-hmm. degree. And, and that's what our past is based on, you know, the wild, wild west and John Wayne and, you know, we had all these people and, 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 and white violence to a certain degree, especially white male violence, is somewhat heralded and, and uplifted. And right. it's just interesting. Okay, Red Ninja is back. Let me pull him back in. So go ahead, Red Ninja. You were talking about the victim blaming. Well, yeah, I was. So basically what it comes down to is that if you're going to start victim blaming black communities and insist that they did something wrong, 
don't expect me to feel sympathy much for white murderers who actually get off scot-free and start killing themselves and expect me to feel sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Frankly. Right. And it was a false story going around. I want to make sure people understand that this is not a true story saying that George Zimmerman was down there following people out of Dunkin' Donuts and pulling guns. And, and that was not true. George Zimmerman was not down there with a damn truck full of guns. That was not. But the Klan is. But the Klan is down there, and the Klan is, and the Klan is trying to raise money for the officer who shot Mike Brown, and you know other other groups are trying to raise money for the officer who shot Mike Brown. They're also trying to instigate instigate violence down there. Um, You know, they're 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 down there doing doing what they do basically. You know exactly, yeah. and you know what I find somewhat disappointing. I find it somewhat disappointing, but I also find it, you know, quite honorable as well. We 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 failed our young people to a certain degree, and and this is what I mean. Where I'm like, I'm a little disappointed, even though we're putting shows out here and we're telling them the history. This is now. I'm talking about you know the other generation. See, you know, my mother and you know my grandparents, they fought. They're tired, but the generation that came after that, and in my particular generation, Generation X, you know, we received the fruit of their labors. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, like Travis was saying earlier, you know, a lot of the protesting, a lot of the demands went to the wayside after Martin Luther King was, you know, assassinated. And basically, these young people, you know, these millennials, they are getting a history lesson. This is a history lesson for them, and they are rising to the occasion. I see, you know, a lot of these young people out here protesting, helping out. A lot of these young people are saying, no, we're not standing for this. This is not right. And they're stepping up to the plate. So I have to applaud them for that. Right. I have and, to and applaud what was them encouraging, for that. And what was encouraging to me was even at the rally that I went to a couple of weeks ago, there were quite a number of, you know, of non-black people there in support, you know what I mean? Um, and, and, you know, they, you know, even when, you know, people were asking, like, have you known anyone, you know, who's been brutalized or whatever, even they, some of them spoke up, you know what I mean? So I think there is a difference sort of in, in sort of the generation that's coming up now, you know, although a lot of them are still into this colorblindness, post-racial nonsense, it seems like some of them are also waking up you know? Right. So. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I just wanted to make sure I gave credit where it's due, you know, and, you know, a lot of the lack in their lives, I mean, as far as, like, information and education, you know, we we can help them with that. I mean, this is why we support the scholarship funds for the Black Skeptics Group and, and getting out here and with our social justice projects and, like, Red Ninja mentioned, Atheism Plus. You know, I mean, I, I've never said anything, you know, um, about Atheism Plus in a negative sense. You know, I I, I post stuff on their wall, I'm a part of their groups, and all of that, because the thing is, is that, again, atheism is not enough. It's more to life, and especially with people of color, it's, it's just so many more obstacles that some of us have to overcome. You have your select few out here that are buying into that colorblindness, 
post-racial thing, and they're they're out here saying that um, basically that they can't support the protesters, they can't support Mike Brown until all the facts come in. And even when all the facts come in, they're going to have this mysterious person that they know who said that Mike Brown was not a good person, and so he deserved to die. Yeah, here's a fact. Here's a fact. A black man is killed. It, it, there are estimates out there that, that show that a black man is killed nearly every 28 hours in an extrajudicial killing. One right. every 28 hours. So, so. what and is the number going to have to be? What is the number going to have to be? One every 20 hours or 15 minutes? What right. is it going to have to be? I mean, right. look. Uh, I was thinking about what you guys said. I'm sending a message to the uh, Seattle atheist group. And my message is, I was just writing it just then. Um, if the Russian students can show support, why the slow roll from the atheist, humanist, free-thinking, secular, and progressive communities? If the Batman killer was apprehended without the emptying of guns, so can almost everyone else. I wonder why exactly. this community is silent about the militarization of a, America's police force. When the churches are shown to be the main force in, in and at protests, I, I don't see how you can even begin to think we're going to be able to make any inroads into our, into our communities. Exactly. Exactly, and then they get upset with some of us because we're willing to work with the churches. We can't get support over here. If, if, if I was a white man saying that I was going to try atheism out for a year as an experiment, raise $15,000 in less than 24 hours, we couldn't even get, you know, we got $320 toward our social justice projects and towards the conference in a, in a GoFundMe. That was the you know match what? that we were You're able right. to get out of that. You know, I, yeah. I, I, I was in error when I said something. I, okay, so I went to uh, the Atheist Alliance uh, with, with the Seattle Atheists, and what I noticed was I was around there for like three days, and I, I, I was in error when I said there were two kinds of atheists. I think there are three kinds of atheists. And the three kinds are loud atheists who are loud about it, Atheists who are not loud about it, okay, and want to tippy-toe. Atheists who are about the money, you know what I mean, and figuring out how to generate some dough. So, right. Okay, because we, I mean, don't get me wrong, I had fun, I enjoyed the people, I, 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 I had a, talked to a lot of individuals that had great minds and I want to have them on the show, right? But, man, we were at a hotel, where I, you know, there's a Starbucks in there, and the apple fritter was three seventy five, and it was little. Um, things were expensive, you know what I mean? And uh-huh. uh, I don't get me wrong, I had fun. I liked all the people. I, I liked a lot of the. the, the, the it was a, what I was amazed by positively was how many conferences there were throughout the day. You know what I mean? That were. People were really into, you know, separation of church and state. And I did a an Ingersoll speech um, thing at conference, and I thought I was supposed to be doing like 20 minutes talking about Ingersoll. Yeah, I can talk about Ingersoll for 20 minutes. It was supposed to be an hour and a half. And, yes, I could talk about Ingersoll for an hour and a half too, right? So, <laughs> and so I watched all of this, and it, and, and it, and it seemed really – 
it seemed really weird. And I was like, yeah, there needs to be uh, some a social justice wing of of. Now I talked to some Seattle atheists, and what they said was, you know, they were talking about whether or not to be more politically active, and so they decided to take a vote to see if we if, if they would include. Um, Progressive liberal issues on you know in in, in their uh, in their group, and other guys were talking about how that particular thing will tear up groups, and another guy was talking about how well why what, you know we need to be able to include some of these uh, uh, Republican atheists or these Tea Party atheists, and then people were pissed they were not having it. Okay, so it's very right. interesting. All this is in the beginnings. Okay. In, in, in the beginnings of uh, 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 they don't have a clue. Just like I, I filmed at the Hempfest, and they don't have a and nobody. Ha, the reason why Washington is taking such a slow time compared to Colorado is there. Some people say they're really trying to slow roll and, and, and keep the money in their proper hands, which could be true. And other people say it's because they're trying to figure out how to do it right. And I think that the atheist, free thinking, secular humanist uh, uh, communities. Need to figure out how to do it right, and to not let Al Sharpton, Jesse Jackson, beat you to the front of a protest. To not exactly. let uh, random preachers like I was at the Seattle. Um, <laughs> I was at the Seattle thing uh, uh, for Trayvon. And I, I, I couldn't help it because I was noticing it. Like everybody's ready to go, and we're wondering what are we waiting for. And then all of a sudden, here came here. We're all outside. And then here come two um, shiny suit preachers to get in front of the, uh, the protest before we leave. And I thought to myself, what is this? What is this? Am I at a right, whole lot of like this church guy has a whole right, bunch of power? Like, and that's why, you know, I'm looking at, you know, the local groups, you know, especially some of the local black groups. This is why we do press releases, you know, in Chicago and L.A. and D.C. And we're going to be doing a press release this week from Black Skeptics Group, which covers all of our affiliates and chapters. And basically, we're going to do a press release basically talking about how we support Ferguson and what's happening. And it needs to be more of that. And, you know, what's interesting is, there was someone in the community, you know, that was kind of pointing the finger at us and saying, what are you all doing? Well, we're out here. We're getting in the trenches, the real trenches. You know, you you hear a bunch of atheists and, and humanists talking about they're in the trenches for atheism. Oh, so what, you're making videos about Christians? You're going to talk, for a, you know, you're at a conference talking to other atheists, and, wow. and in fact, most of them don't respect you. You know, and, and they understand that you're under and uneducated, you know, mm-hmm. so you're there in entertainment and the amusement, you know, this is how they, they prop up their diversity numbers. No, the question is, what are you doing? You're not doing anything. You know, preaching to the choir, you know, going to talk to these atheists about atheism or going to, to talk to the atheists about so-called pathologies in the black community, that is not the trenches. You are not doing it. You're making the situation worse because what you're doing is you're giving them a reason. You're giving them justification as to why they should not say anything about these situations. Right. Right. And you right. think and that by you're, separating you're getting... yourself, 
Right, but I mean, but this is the thing that you think that by separating yourself and by calling yourself air quotes different, that they're going to do more for you and be more willing to help you. You know, my darling, you're setting yourself up. You're setting yourself up, but you know what? I, I, I wish you well. Hope everything works out for you. I know it ain't, but, I, you know, I'm wishing you the absolute best. But, you know, we should be the ones out here. What do we have these local groups for? I mean, when there was issues happening here in Chicago, we did a couple of press releases, you know, Black Skeptic Chicago, you know, and but the thing is is that there is more that we can do. So, I mean, when they challenged us, you know, we can, that we can do more, yes, we can do more, but we also need support, and it can't be the same one, two, or three people doing things. You all have heard me going off about this for the past three years, but especially since January of this year. You cannot rely on the same one, two, or three people. I can tell you we're getting overwhelmed. Right. This is why you see us taking these breaks and we disappear for two, three weeks. It's too much. you got to right. remember, we still have personal lives. Right. You know, many right. of us still have careers. We still have all of that on top of whatever we're trying to do here. And it can't be the same two or three people. And that's why when I, I, I see some of the status updates of some of these people, I go into some of these groups and I just look at the conversations. Everybody has something to say about something. But when it's time for us to get you out here to donate money or to donate your time or to stand with us, oh, all of a sudden everybody has to wash their hair and visit their grandma the same day, right? Uh, right. But it's right. true. And, it's true. And, I mean, and you know what? Like the the whole thing about that is, is like, you can talk about you know a separation of church and state as much as you like, but at the end of the day, that ain't helping poor black communities put food on their fucking table. That's right. Go talk talk about that shit for a little bit, please. Right. And I'm right there with you, Red. I'm right there with you because, as I've stated before, and I will continue to state this, you you can talk about all the damn science and education. You can talk about cosmos. What the hell? You can talk about it all day. But there are some of us that are not trying to hear all of that for the simple fact. And it's not that we disregard it. We admire that. We love that, too. But we're trying to figure out how we're going to pay our rent. We're trying to figure out how we're going to feed our kids. We're trying to figure out how we're going to get our kids from the house to the school without being shot. Come on. You know, just basic necessities, you know, food, shelter, clothing. Those are the three basic necessities. You know, in addition, because, I mean, this is the thing, you know, um, I hear some of these white atheists and secularists talking about, oh, well, we're being discriminated against because we're secularists, A, B, C, D, and E. Okay. We're being discriminated against because of that as well. But then we have all this other additional shit. See, what they don't seem to understand is the extra, extra that we have to deal with. That's what white privilege affords you. It affords you to not have to think about these things. It affords you to not have to, to, to deal with these things and what, angers me, especially even in the atheist community who've been, the atheists that have been washed by the blood of four horsemen are no longer, you know, racist, sexist, <laughs> you know, when they try to tell me and define what racism is, to me, I mean, really, it's like they've been baptized in some damn atheist holy water. That's how right. they act. And I'm like, You're right. I ain't fucking mad. 
thinking. And this is why we've been going off. This is why I've been, you know, indicting them, if you will, on Twitter chat. This is why, you know, these articles are coming out about the racism within the atheist community, articles about sexism within the atheist community, the homophobia, the transphobia. Yes, Kim, please. let's Go not ahead. forget, too, let's not forget, too, that you got guys out there like Sam. And you know what? You said something on a podcast um, in the past that at first I was kind of taken aback by when you talked about, like, how Sam Harris and Chris Hitchens were Islamophobes. And right. at first I was like, well, okay, mainly they're concerned about religious fundamentalism, which I don't blame them for. But now you got Sam Harris talking about how he won't criticize Israel and – he refuses mm-hmm. to criticize Israel because he considers them the more democratic party and this and that and forgetting about the atrocities. And you got like Richard Dawkins out here talking shit about how rape conversations should go down right. and about how like certain things are more justified than others in regards to sexual harassment and violence within the community. And I'm sitting here, I'm like, what the fuck? Y'all exactly. You guys are exactly. you guys are you guys are not help this shit get your act together because this is not free thinking. This is dogmatic party line thinking. And if I wanted that right. I would be back in church. Damn it. Exactly. And see, and that's why our model is we are here to challenge you to think and live for yourself. Because this thing, you know, not only are we supposed to apply those critical thinking skills to religion, we're supposed to apply it to everything. That includes atheism. And, you know, I can say that we have had the pleasure of piquing people's interest. We've had the pleasure of pulling some of those scales off of people's eyes to look and see what's happening in this community. And what you just said, thank you so much for confirming that for me, that it, 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 it caused you to go back and look at some things and reread some things. I've had other people say to me that it's caused them to go back and look at some of their, you know, atheist heroes and look at them with different eyes and actually see some of the messages for what they were. And when I say that, honey, I mean, I was the same way. You know, I was loving these people at first, and then all of a sudden I started really listening and paying attention, and I was like, wait a minute. You know, and I've had to go back and apologize for, you know, for some of the things that I said and that I used to believe. You know, one of the things that I said, um, Raina brought up on Tuesday on Twitter chat, she says, do, do some racist atheists hide behind, quote, unquote, logic? And, and you know, there was a lot of response to that question. The answer is yes. You know, there are a lot of, you know, um, people in the atheist community that are hiding behind the ideology of atheism, just like a lot of religious people hide behind the ideology of religion. And that's why I always do the comparative analysis. I contrast both communities and try to point out what we have in common and, you know, how a lot of that religiosity is being brought over here. So I'm just sitting back, and I just sit back, and I look, and I bring it out, and I talk about it. Am I popular for it? No. You know, um, there are some people that absolutely Neither is Chris Stedman, but, you know. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Hey, you know exactly. what? Then, oh, you know what, guys? Listen, okay. I'm, I'm going to be real about this because I see you got a couple minutes, and let's do it like this. I was I was rewriting what well, I was going to write about the, our our secular communities um, not being in the front of protests 
And how much longer will our thinking communities allow the leaders in the field of superstition to lead the country on human rights issues? Yeah. Think about that. How yeah. in the world does Al Sharpton and Jesse Jackson jump out to the front of the protest every time? And because TJ. And Creflo what, what Dollar. Did, who who would you say? I don't say in like TD T. Jakes and Creflo Dollar and like I Tyler Perry. For him, TD Snakes. Somebody <laughs> <laughs> said that together. Day, I was like, oh, that's good. That's gonna stick. Um, exactly. We're gonna go into overtime, guys. So if you all want to call in, three one zero nine eight two four two seven three. Again, that's three one zero nine eight two four two seven three. If you want to be a part of the conversation, press one. But we're gonna go into overtime. I'm gonna let it go into overtime today. You know, I'm not gonna stop this conversation because it's a great conversation. Because the thing is, is that, you know, you have, you know, the secular community pointing the finger. But see, this is the thing. If they want the separation of church and state, does, does that only apply to, you know, white privilege? Mm-hmm. Right. Because cause what we're dealing with here is a police state. And, and the thing is, is that while, you know, it's, a lot of this is, um, some of it is backed up and, and justified with religion. I mean, racism, in, in many cases, they use religion. That's why the Bible was introduced into the civil rights movement to begin with, because the white nationalists were using scriptures to justify the mistreatment of black people. Right. And that's the reason Martin Luther King and the others had to start introducing you know, the Bible, because it was a secular movement. And it still is a secular movement. In an effort to move forward with a new phase of the civil rights movement, it has to be secular-based. So it ties into what you just said. How are they allowing Jesse Jackson, Al Sharpton, and these other religious leaders to be the first people on the scene to call themselves the spokespeople of the community when it should be us? Of freedom. Right. freedom be the people who tell you that there's a hell to avoid. It's so rotten and wrong. I have a bit of a different perspective on why it's necessary for secular movements to get involved. And my perspective is this, because a lot of us, again, in this community are conditioned to believe that racism and and white supremacy are religious. You know what I mean? But if one reads, reads, (laughs) you know, and, and that's a problem some of us have in this community, we like... We read, we don't read, but we may read, but we don't read widely. You know what I mean? Um, there's right. a book called Ebony and Ivy, and Ebony and Ivy is really is a really good book for understanding how um, racism and and slavery are actually you know actually built up the Ivy League colleges and the American college system. But it's exactly. also good for this. But it's also good for this. It's also good for understanding how how racism became secularized. You know what I mean? Because yeah. Exactly. Because a lot of these Ivy League schools and colleges, they basically came out of a system where the church sponsored the schools. But what happened was there was a process of secularization where a lot of these institutions at least separated their official ties to the church. You know what I mean? Right. Um, to, in order right. to in order to um, achieve some sort of form of legitimacy, but then there were but a lot of these people were uh, at these institutions. They were responsible for contributing secular logic and secular theory uh-huh. on race and racism. Right. So 
exactly. That is, that is my belief on why it's, it's so important that we do this because we also have to fundamentally recognize that racism is not is is something that can can be contributed from from a lot of different viewpoints, not just religious. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And I make sure we don't play into the narrative that a lot of these you know secularists are perpetrating or perpetuating, if you will, and their narrative is if they were to get rid of religion, then it would get rid of the racism, it would get rid of the sexism, it would get rid of the homophobia, and that's not true, which, you know, that, that, that points toward what Raina was just saying, you know. Um, and I just, you know, I was laughing last year when all of these articles came out talking about how a lot of these Ivy League and, you know, academic institutions were built by slaves, built by slavery. And I'm like, they're acting like this is new news, but I guess it is new news to some people. You know, so yeah, Randy, you're spot on. Yeah, I think I think it's not new news, but I think I think it's like all of us sort of intuitively knew that to be true, right? But right. it's just it's a matter of like extent, right? So we have this idea in America of the self-made man, which is really interesting because we all know that slavery happened, but then yet and still we still have this vision of the self-made man that somehow you know rugged, hard. Um, white male Americans still somehow, you know, dug in and made, you know, made this country what it is. You know, not that they did it on the backs of slaves or that they did it on the backs of immigrants, you know what I mean, and poor people, you know, but the individualism and, you know, all this type of stuff is what wins out. But, I mean, I think it's a matter of, again, of extent. You know, it's like we know that there were slaves. We know that they used slaves. But a lot of people don't realize how much slave money, you know what I mean, like how much, how many plantation owners, you know, from the Caribbean and elsewhere were actually sending their, their kids here, you know. Yeah. And that's what actually builds up a lot of these institutions, you know. Yeah, exactly. and, 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 just, and also we have to remember, too, how – many of these religious figures and these slave owners created the institutions themselves. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Right. And uh, and that's what I would say and that, and that's and, and that's um actually it's interesting. I went to this I went to this um museum and I don't want to say the name of museum of the museum, but it's kind of a trap. I'm just going to put it out there. <laughs> the museum is a trap. It's a tourist trap. It's not really it's a, a great trap. museum. It's it's not a great museum, but what I what I sort of thought about that I hadn't thought about in, like, years, you know what I mean? Maybe since I was, like, a kid when I read, like, one of my first books I ever read about Columbus, you know, and um, and sort of, like, you know, what happened when he reached the New World with, you know, Native Americans and how the Tainos were basically wiped out, you know what I mean? Or not the Tainos, but the, you know, the Arawaks, you know what I mean, were basically almost completely wiped out. Um, you know, I was I was in this museum and they were talking about um, how a lot of the founding founding fathers were basically pirates. You know what I mean? Exactly. And they were basically they were basically fighting to basically continue doing what they'd been doing, which is to you know get their good souls without having to pay taxes or what have you. And you know they and, and to the British they're pirates. You know what I mean? To us they're American heroes. And but a lot of these people were pirates. They were drug they were drug dealers. You know what I mean? They were or drug users right. or you know, whatever else. And so we have this idea of what a criminal is. But like all the founding fathers were criminals. All of them. Yeah, they, 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 you know, 
Exactly. They were, they were the Queen's bastards that they kicked them out of England. That's, right. that's what happened. They got kicked out. Right. Well, some of them got kicked out. Some of them came here, you know, on their own. But, like, the point is, is that even if they weren't, like, criminals by virtue of, like, enterprise, right, they were criminals just by signing a document. You know what I mean? There are people who are criminals just because they don't, they don't walk on the, side of the, on the sidewalk. There are people who are criminals because they sell loose cigarettes. You know what I mean? So you start thinking about sort of the, the, um, how frivolous, you know what I mean? Some of these laws are how easily we, we're, um, we've enabled the criminal justice system to, to, to rob people of their freedom. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. For such minor offenses. Right. You know what I mean? I mean, these are minor offenses. These are, you know, no one's being killed by loose cigarettes. You know what I mean? Exactly. No one's being killed by yeah. loose cigarettes. Right, a loose cigarette. Oh, also, I saw something else I noticed. They were trying to make, like, uh, they tr- they tried to floated out the thing Michael Brown was hyped up on, on marijuana or marijuana in his system. I'm like, wait a minute. Wait a minute, man. Stop hyped it. Hyped up on marijuana. Stop it. Look, think about this. Let's really think about this. If he was, if he was, stealing something that was a tobacco product to add to the marijuana, that meant that he had the marijuana already, and it's not that he was on a marijuana high. He was on a tobacco low. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Well, my whole thing, my whole thing is this, and then and then there and then here comes the atheists in the community who want to um, who want to uh, chastise black people for looting. Right for supposed right. not for you know say that black people are looting and therefore that justifies white racism you know because that's basically hey. what Dusty said you know what I mean I thought everybody but, doing telling about no looting why you talking to me about no looting please talk to me about a kid or anybody getting executed in the street that's what we need to talk about and one is not the other right and no, what's agreed, the right. question agreed we are people still contempt in this country for looters than we do for people who rob people of human lives. We have more contempt contempt for black black drug dealers than we do for for people who basically rob the educational system, who deprive these communities of opportunities, who 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 sold ancestors. We have, we were, you know, you know where, you know what we do with slaveholders in this country? We build them monuments. Exactly. 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 But see, check this out. Check this out. It's interesting when it's black and brown people. It's called looting. But when white people do it, oh, she found a loaf of bread. And then, you know, it's, 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 right. Exactly. And you're looking at it, and it's absolutely amazing. And I'm just sitting here, and I'm like, we have to do better. But that's called right, deflection. Exactly. So, you exactly. Know, the point and when, of the when other groups, yes. Yeah. When when other groups ahead, do babe. it. When other groups do it, it's rebellion. When we do it, it's looting and it's criminal activity. Fuck you. Right. You know, um, wait a minute. But also, wait a minute. I don't want to defend the looting that much, but let's be real about this. How much looting was it really done? Is it like now, seven days later, and they just got done with 7-Eleven? They're on the way to Macy's. We can't stop these (laughs) niggers. You know what I mean? Is is it like that? Really? (laughs) No. But you no, know, but seriously, here's here's another. Oh man, I mean, I done lost my point because of you. Sorry. But, um, <laughs> but no, um, <laughs> and I lost it. I had it and then I lost it. But um, but, but, but I'm being real though, right? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Right? I, I mean, I mean, they on Seventy Street. 
You know what I mean? They go for they go for Ross. Why don't know? Why they going at Ross? I don't know. You know what I mean? Okay, I mean, oh, no, I got, got my point back. I got my point back, though. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, was gonna say, I was going to say, this, you know, this is a country, you know, where, you know, where people, you know, they watch Les Mis, right? You know, the story right. about a criminal who sold a loaf of bread to feed his sister, right? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And we can watch mm-hmm. that. We can sing the song, and we can feel bad for, you know, um, Valjean, Right. But right. when, when there's a black person, mm. throw, throw them under the jail. Under the jail. Exactly. Yeah. What is that about? The thing is and that's the thing. Meanness. It's called deflection. And you see a lot of that deflection in a, this community. I mean, like, you know, the, the point is Mike Brown was killed and it was unprovoked. And his body laid in the street for hours. The cop wouldn't let a nurse. This one lady was a nurse asking if she could help him. The cop said no. He let him lay there and bleed to death on purpose. He wasn't calling for people to come and, and you know, medical assistance, ambulance. He was calling for backup. And they were out there lying, talking about the, po- the the crowd was saying, kill the police, that they weren't saying that. But um, the thing is, is that you see that even in the atheist community. When we talk about racism or sexism or homophobia, they deflect the conversation. When, when we're talking about racism, oh, I grew up poor and I was white and blah, 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 and all this. And so then it turns into the oppression Olympics, anything to get you off of your, your original topic. And unfortunately, I see that with a lot of blacks in this atheist community as well. You know, the thing with Mike hey, Brown Kim, is when we're Kim, talking about the way, let me make this last point before I lose it. Let me make this last point. We talked about Mike Brown and what happened, and then someone's going to send me a damn meme talking about so-and-so, so many black people have been killed from this day to the day that Mike Brown died, and what about black-on-black crime? And that's a deflection. It is white supremacists being perpetuated. Go ahead, Travis. Kim, Kim, if you just stop talking about race, it'll go away. Okay? Listen, uh, Kim, uh, Morgan, if you just, okay, if you just right, stop Morgan. talking about it, Kim, yeah. it'll go away, Kim. <laughs> Kim, Kim, it's all of you niggers like you who sit around and uh-huh. talk about racism, and if you would just stop talking about it, it would go away. And you're right, Kim. Look, when don't let anybody say, well, what about the black-on-black guy? Well, I'm talking about institutionalized murder in the streets. I'm not talking about some, some crab in a bucket. Right. If the cops were doing right. their job, they would be stopping the murders, and it wouldn't be um, – and it wouldn't be uh, it, that wouldn't be happening. You know what I'm saying? If um, right, you're talking about that, the broken window policies. Whereas if you spit on the ground, now you got a bench warrant because now they don't issue you a ticket. And depending on what city you're in, it may be a misdemeanor over here, but you cross the street to the other city, it's a felony because you spit on the ground. You right. know, I mean, and, and, you know, they have all of these small laws. I That's just, the reason um, I'm telling people. I just posted an article on your wall, Kim, that talks about how um, how police misconduct actually costs people their livelihoods. Um, yes. You know, talking about yes. how, like, the fines and the um, excessive, you know, economic persecution used by police actually, you know, makes people unable to feed themselves, unable to keep a roof over their heads, you know. And, um, in the state of, in the state of, in, um, in the state of Maryland in Baltimore right now, they have a, a, a curfew, right, where uh-huh. um, children who are under a certain age who are out after, I think, 9 or 10 o'clock, 
if they're rounded up, their parents can be fined five hundred dollars. And these are people yep. who live in, and these are people who live in, for the most part, very poor communities. So how the hell is someone who's supposed to come up with a five hundred dollar, you know, fine to pay? You know what right. I mean? What's going to end up happening to them? They're going to end up being arrested. You know what I mean? Exactly. 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 And and the thing is, is that you know, let's say they they got a ticket you know, for spitting on the ground, a misdemeanor ticket. They have to take time off of work to mm-hmm. get there. They make it a $100 fine. I mean, if these people are barely making it to, to the end of the month and they're using the food shelters to kind of supplement, you know, the little food that they get, um, you know, they don't have $100 for that. So if they don't pay that, then now they're risking going back to jail. So let's say they got picked up and they miss a day of work. They go back to work the next day. Now, all of a sudden, now you got this misdemeanor. Now it's brought to the damn boss's attention. Now you fired not only because you took a day off without calling and asking for it, but then now you have a record. You know, but not, so just, but not just that. They may not even fire you, but the fact of the matter is you might go on probation or you might get suspended, you know what I mean, exactly. or what have you. And then the other part is, is like, going back to the kids, you know, you're going to end up being separated from the child that you were supposed to be, Um, you know, that they want you, they, that they're trying to force you, you know, into so-called, you know, supervising in the first place. But we all know kids do things sometimes without their parents, you know, permission, you know what I mean? They sometimes go places that they're not supposed to be. But now you've, you've basically made their parent unable to supervise them, which was the thing that you were trying to force them to do in the first place. Right. You know? Exactly. Exactly. Because we all did it. We all have done stupid stuff. I mean, there are some things that, you know, to this day, I'm glad my mama don't know about that I did. But, you know, right. uh, you know it's just... <laughs> yes, um, but you know the whole thing is is that you know we have to address these issues. And as a humanist, you know I'm really really disappointed in in this community. And this is why we you know we're doing our own thing. This is why you know we're blazing a new path, if you will. This is why you know I mean this is the first year that we're implementing this, but we have more and more people asking about it and wanting to join on and 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 there's a need for it. There's a reason why we want to get out here. There's a reason why we want to be out in the community. I mean, I go to meetings all the time, you know, especially when they're talking about the crime rates here in Chicago, Chirac, you know, and I'm meeting people all over the place. But the thing is is that, you know, we need a voice. We need a face, you know, and that, that starts with the local groups. That starts with the local groups, and I just don't understand why we're not doing as, you know, more. But in addition to that, why aren't we being supported more? Because, see, this is the thing. This is what gets me. Um, And it is racism in this community. There's quite a bit of it because, again, you're you're sending money for this here, but when we're over here talking about we're trying to give school supplies to some needy children of color and we can't raise the money, I mean, even with the conference that we're doing in October, you know, it's focused on social justice and 
You know, you would think that some of the people in this community that claim that they're for social justice, that they want to know more about it, that they want more diversity, you would think that they would be clamoring over themselves to have some of their representatives at the conference. I mean, I believe that American atheists should have at least two people there taking notes. You know, CFI, well, they're going to have a bunch of people there, so I can't say anything for them, but because they're one of our sponsors, too. So they're then we're using their facilities. So CFI will have people there. But I don't see anybody from Freedom From Religion Foundation stepping up. I don't see, well, we do have one person from American Humanist Association, which is Dr. Penn. He'll be there. He's one of our speakers. But the thing is, is that, you know, I, I would think that some of these other organizations would be sending people, at least one or two, especially since they like, you know, to put the question out there, how do we, you know, um, attract more blacks? How do we, you know, um, deal with diversity? How do we A, B, C, D, and E? We're telling you and we're showing you that we can't get you to support it. So it's nothing right. but vacuous rhetoric on their behalf. They're right. just saying that because it's the popular thing to say. And, you know, unfortunately, a lot of the people that they're putting in position to come and speak on their diversity panels, in all actuality, these some of the people, not all of them, but some of these people have absolutely no clue what they're talking about. Right. We know it, and we know they know it. Mm-mm. But these people are more amenable, more um, pliable, more manageable. I'm being nice with these words, y'all. Can't get any <laughs> nicer than that. And um, speaking speaking of that, I think it's interesting, too, because um, you also talked about Jeremiah Kamara and, you know, his documentary, Contradiction. And um, Have y'all seen I wonder what Jeremiah Kamara has to say about Ferguson. I mean, have y'all seen the documentary? Say what? Have y'all seen the documentary? No, I haven't. Uh-huh. I have not. I have not seen it yet. I, I, I don't. It. I don't know if it came to Baltimore yet, but I haven't seen it. So they I'm waiting for uh, it to come out on. Um, I'm waiting for it to that. come out on DVD. Mhm. So. I saw it. Yeah, I saw it too. <laughs> he said I saw it. He didn't say anything else though, y'all. No, no, no. no. There were right. some really good parts in there. There was some oh, really sorry. good stuff in there. No, everybody black who's going to church needs to see that shit for sure. Don't get me wrong. Uh, put it like this. Hey, I'll tell you one thing. Uh, his film had more heart and soul than the James Brown movie. <laughs> well, I would never. I wouldn't know because I haven't seen the James Brown movie, so oh, and I, I don't James intend to go Brown watch it either. It was so. so bad. Let me tell you something. It was so awful. The movie begins. Spoiler alert! With the day when he's shooting the gun in, into the ceiling. That's where the movie starts. Hmm. Starts. Wow. What I'm thinking is the movie. If I was trying to do a hit piece on James Brown, the only way it could have been worse is if the movie would have started with him doing like an Ollie shuffle and then bit, 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 and then punch his wife, ow, bam. You know, that's the only way it could have been worse. Okay? I'm serious. It was that ugly and awful. It's, look, it, there's no way you would be able to tell from that movie at all that he was a hardworking man in show business and influence or the godfather. So there was no way you could tell from that. It, it was nasty, dirty. Anyway, i got to run, y'all. Y'all, y'all have a good day. Um, <laughs> and next time, I hope one of y'all or me can beat Al Sharpton's ass to the front of protest. Y'all take it easy. Exactly. Take it easy, Travis. That's I think it's worth. Honey. I think it's worth right, mentioning bye-bye. that 
that, you know, James Brown was a spousal abuser, you know. And oh, a, no, no. They, and, you know yeah. If he really was, yeah, they should have really more was. of that in there. And you yeah. could have started with it if you wanted to. Yeah. But to start off with that, with, with that, with that, with that day when he shoots a gun and goes to jail is so mean. I'm mm-hmm. saying if he's a spousal abuser on the regular, put that in there. Put yeah. that in there. Because they yeah. didn't do that. If he really was that, they made that look cartoony. Mm. It really well, I, well, I did okay. hear that it did look cartoony. I definitely heard that. That um, wow. yeah. Mm. <laughs> oh, so yeah, I won't be going to see James Brown movie yeah. no time soon. Nah. It's on Netflix, and I may watch it. You know, after I take my medicine, which means I'll probably fall asleep in the middle of it. But um, it's just. It's a trip, but anyway, you know, um, we have a lot of resources. We have a lot of talented people in this community. We need the support, and, you know, it's just it's, it's interesting because um, there was a charge, you know, a comment that someone made, and they made a charge that we talk about the only reason why we talk about racism or what have you in this community is basically to guilt donations and solicitations out of people. And that's not true. Yeah. It's not true. You know, the, the, truth, the truth is we wish we didn't have to talk about it as much as we do. Right. We wish we didn't right. have to actually bring up the subject as much as we do. We want to live in that society. We don't live in that society. And it's just a matter of you can't mm-hmm. force us to keep our eyes closed to the obvious. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. You can't force us to keep our eyes closed to the obvious. But in addition to it, I mean, you see it all in this community. I mean, you know, you know, um, I would be remiss if I didn't mention this. If you ever go to a talk given by a person of color at a lot of these um, predominantly white atheist groups, just pay attention to the Q&A. Pay attention to the quality of questions that they direct toward the black speakers. Mm -hmm. And you will understand why we talk about racism, because it's like, you know, it's like either the person asking the question is incredibly stupid or they think I'm incredibly stupid. Mm -hmm. Well, we know that. I mean, you can use a lot of adjectives for me, but I don't think stupid is one. Right. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, you, I mean, some of the questions that we get, that's why, you know, Raina created her Black Atheist FAQ. And um, it's just unreal. And, I mean, whenever, you know, I had some people most recently say that they didn't like the, the stories and news articles that I was posting on my wall. So they were going to post, you know, stories that they thought were relevant on my wall. I blocked them so damn fast. How the hell are you going to tell me what I should post on my wall? Right. Mm-hmm. Because they yep. were angry because I was posting the Ferguson information. Right. You know, and, and then the interesting thing is, you know, a couple of them were from Canada. And they were like, we don't know what's going on down there, but do black people do anything positive? Is there anything you're happy about? And I was like, fuck you. Well, we post plenty of positive stuff on the Black Freethinkers wall. I don't know Hi. what they're talking about. We we posted about we post about that um, the little league team, you know, right about yes. the, about right. the black about the black um, team, you know, the black girl who's a pitcher. Yeah. Yep. yep. We posted I mean, about I mean, that stuff. We posted about the, about our scholarship. 
all the time we're supposing positive stuff. That doesn't mean that we ignore the foolishness that's going on out here in our communities. You know, right? right. You know, because I at can't the end of the, the fact, go ahead, go ahead, Ginger. Oh no, I was gonna say um, the the fact of the matter is we just can't ignore the fact that we live in poor communities that are beset by gang violence. We live in communities that are beset by poverty, that are beset by illiteracy. So, right. yes, the, the thing about that is that the only reason that we bring attention to some of the issues in the black communities is because we can't afford to ignore them. Right. We can't afford, and right. you, just, just for somebody to sit there and say, to ask us to be more positive about this, is basically to ask us to forget about the things that affect us on a daily basis, and we can't do that. We don't ask any other group to do that. But we ask it of ourselves. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. I guess let me ask Red Ninja a question. <laughs> All right, Red Ninja. You know, this is kind of a gotcha, but it's the reason why I'm asking this question. Okay. What do you think of, let's just say, some black atheists who believe that the way that things are transpiring now are okay? that, you know, that the white atheist community is is right to ignore race, is right to ignore sexism, is right to ignore homophobia because, um, you know, they're being addressed, but they feel that it's incumbent upon the, the groups in question to address those issues more and to fix those issues. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I would say that... Um Anybody, anybody who is willing to say that is not actually paying attention. And anybody who's saying that is really falling for an authority party line um, that they were taught at church. You know, the fact that we – because the thing is we can't afford to not talk about sexism, racism, and homophobia because it's not just an issue in religious circles. It's an issue everywhere. And you don't get to you, – you can't cure – these kinds of social ills and behaviors by suddenly calling yourself an atheist and therefore thinking that you're smarter than everybody else. So, like, black atheists that actually say that, um, at the very minimum, are being very gullible because whether they realize it or not, um, these issues are issues. And you could be a black atheist or a black Christian, but the fact of the matter is, is as a black man or woman, there are people out there who will presuppose things about your character simply by the color of your skin, and that's going to take place whether you're at a church conference, whether you are at a church service, whether you are at a revival, or whether you are at an American Atheist conference. The fact of the matter is, if you're black, it is an issue, and you can't afford to ignore it. Same thing with, you know, with homophobia. Um, and with homophobia, that's one of those things where a lot of atheists are coming out of these Christian communities with a lot of the same attitudes towards same-sex marriage. And a lot of that has to be rectified because of, you know, it's just the lack of absolute 100% honesty about where their ideas are actually coming from. And um, you can't, my thing is like, with black atheists, we can't afford to ignore um, presuppositions that actually take place within the atheist community. Because exactly. the fact of the matter is, you're being talked about, whether you realize it or not, you are being looked at and you are being talked about by a lot of white atheist organizations. If you're a black exactly. man going to an atheist conference and you're the only black person there, 
the awkwardness about how to approach you, about how to talk to you, about how you act, about how you talk, about how you speak, and about how you carry yourself is still there. And whether you know it or not, there are people that are going to say, oh, man, how, why, why does this guy talk like this or why does this guy talk like that? How do I approach this guy? I can't believe he doesn't act like this other black guy over here. He doesn't act like any black person I know. This guy ain't black. They're having right. those conversations behind your back, whether you know it or not. So it's an issue whether you realize it or not. And the, the first step to me is basically having an open conversation about race and saying this is a problem and here's how we actually have to go about fixing this one day at a time. So, no, I don't think black atheists are justified by saying that we shouldn't talk about it. We should talk about it, and if we're not talking about it, then that means you're not really a free thinker because that means you're scared of somebody. Okay, excellent, excellent synopsis there. And I guess my question to you is, so that same particular black atheist that I, in question there, then then they make a charge that the other black atheists that are talking about racism, sexism, and homophobia, they charge them with having a gang mentality and, and, and having a clique, and that they want no parts of it. What advice would you give that particular black agent? Um, I would tell them to simply ask the black activists within the atheist community why they're upset and really listen to the answers that they're being given. Um, because a lot of people have a problem with simply listening to people. They have to have the final word. Um, mm -hmm. And I would simply ask those black atheists, or the atheists in general, to simply ask us why we as black free-thinking communities who are actually raising us think about this, why are we upset? Ask us why we're upset, and we'll tell you why we're upset. We will show you the articles. We will show you the statistics. We will actually take you throughout. We will actually ask you to visit these black communities. We will actually take you on tours. To these poor, and I'm see, I'm from Cleveland, Ohio, right? And right. And Cleveland, Cleveland is in a very bad place. I would ask you to come with me to these neighborhoods and actually see what it's like just for one day to live in these neighborhoods, to live with having to look over your shoulder every five minutes. Just ask right. us why we're upset, and we'll tell you. We'll give you the statistics. We will show you the articles. We will give you the stories, and we will actually talk to you about why we have legitimate reasons to raise the issues that we do and simply listen to us and consider what it is that we're actually saying instead of thinking that we're coming from a gang mentality. And ask yourself why you bought the line in the first place that these issues are not really issues. So just really ask us why we're upset, and we'll tell you, and we'll get you involved in it. That's what I said. I said listen to why we are upset. Right. Excellent, excellent. So I was just kind of curious as to, you know, what your sentiment on that would be because, you know, um, you have different people in the community and um, it's just it's, it's interesting. You know, you have some people out here who think that they're different and think that they're special. Right. And they have not had their wake-up moment. But I no. think it's coming a lot sooner than they realize. Right, and I'll tell you what, um, it's even apart from, like, you know, the atheist organizations and whatnot, I mean, in just everyday uh -huh. life, um, 
I can't tell you how many people that I've talked to, even friends of mine that I've talked to, who could give a shit less about the black community and what's going on as atheists. And right. that really bothers me that, you know, we I still meet, you know, white atheists who insist that I shouldn't worry, quote unquote, about the problems going on within the black community because it doesn't matter. We can't do anything anyway about it. So stop talking about it. Stop talking about race. Stop talking about social justice. Stop talking about police brutality. You're going to die. You ain't, there's nothing you can do about it. And this kind of apathy um, is uh-huh. something I wholeheartedly reject. And it doesn't even just, I mean, it takes place in, within circles of friends that I have. And we, I have to actually have serious conversations and ask them, when is the last time you've actually talked to people within these inner city neighborhoods? When is the last time that you've actually sat in on black families? When is the last time you've actually sat down and asked them what you could do to actually help them? When's the right. last time you've actually taken a stroll through these communities and the just question, driven through them? But see, that would, they would, that would all presuppose that they know black people. Exactly. Most of these people exactly. don't understand because most of these people, they, that's, they, that's why they don't understand diversity because they don't have friends that are diverse to begin with. They don't understand that, if you, it, that race is placed. You know, I mean, we were, me and Kim were talking about before we got on the phone, like, part of why Ferguson became, per, Ferguson was not always majority black. Ferguson in the 1990s was actually three quarters white. What drove that was the cost of housing. There were projects in, in, in St. Louis that were raised. And in order to find affordable housing, a lot of families that had lived in those projects that the, the city had pretty much abandoned. They had pretty much left those people to their own devices. They weren't really, they weren't well policed. People couldn't really depend upon the protection of law. So when all those things were raised, these people had to move out to places like Ferguson. So that's how how someplace that went from, that was three-fourths white became 67% black in the span of about 30 years. That's how that happens. Now, the thing about it and, and what makes it such a poor community is a, there was a lot of white flight during that time. And not only that, but we have a changing economy where, you know, we don't really rely as much on manufacturing and industry anymore, and it's primarily a, a service economy. And so you have a, a lot of poor black you know, some of them are illiterate individuals who live there in Ferguson. And and right. remember, and remember, Ferguson was not a violent place. This is the first murder that's happened all year. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And, and, and that's the whole thing. And what we're trying to do is get people to understand that what happened down there in Ferguson is happening all around the world, but in particular all across the United States. Mm-hmm. And this is why people are out there protesting. And generally you'll have, you know, the same folks, Al, Jesse, and that clique of people. They'll tell people to be peaceful and to go home and to pray about it, just like they did with Ferguson. But Ferguson wasn't having it. And right. what I find yeah, right. admirable was Trayvon's mother wrote a letter to Mike Brown's mother. And when I read that letter, I mean, I chills went down my body. Yeah. Because, see, now club, because Hydea Pendle is his mother is part of that club. Hydea, for those that aren't familiar, was a young woman who marched for the inauguration for, you know, President Obama. 
um, well, it wasn't the first inauguration. It was the second when he won the second time. And a week later, she was killed here in Chicago. And so we now have this club of mothers that, you know, have lost children, you know, and fathers, too, we can't forget them, you know, right. but they've lost their children to violence. And, and, and it shouldn't have to be that way. It really shouldn't. And the fact that it's, it's being normalized, if you will, I'm glad we're angry. I'm glad they're out there protesting. I'm glad that, you know, many of us are at the point it's like we just can't take it anymore because that type of violence should not be normalized. That type of violence, you know, um, you know, we shouldn't be trying to find a way to vilify the victim, you know, whether the victim right. smoke weed or not. I mean, it doesn't matter. They're trying to legalize weed. Funny how they put all of the black and brown people in jail for weed, but now you got all these white men making billions of dollars from selling it legally. Come on now, you gotta think about it. Right. Right. You know, and so I mean the thing is is that at the end of the day, none of those children did anything to justify them being killed by others unprovoked. Period. Nope. Right. Nope. And they and were guilty of being black. <laughs> That's exactly. about it. Yeah. And they were, and they were, they were guilty. Exactly. I mean, you can't really say it any better than that. They were guilty of being black, and they were guilty of being in the wrong place at the wrong time. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's sad. Um, and it's, we're gonna do something. We're gonna do something about it, and we're gonna get out there, and we're going to protest. We're gonna donate to these families. You know what? I hate, I hate when people use that term, the wrong place at the wrong time, because when when your when your bodies are when you have a body that is not cis hetero white and male, right. your your body right. is always at the wrong place at the wrong time. And 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 when I say that when I say that I don't endorse what it is they're saying. Yeah. I'm just saying that's what people are actually saying that they're you know yeah. they're in the wrong place at the wrong time and all that. But the, the way I look at it is like. If you're a black, if you're a black child, in a place where you're perceived where you don't belong, that's enough of an excuse right. to right. get harassed, to, right. to to feel to feel fear for your life, mm-hmm. and that's just, you know, it's unacceptable. And, and don't forget, a- and don't forget what those body, what happens to those bodies if those bodies are queer, or if those bodies right. are, you know, trans. You know what I mean? A lot of, I mean, you know. The the arrest you know uh, trans people are, are are frequently arrested at, at very disproportionate numbers, you know what I mean? So right, I have to think about that as well. Right, and you know, you know when you talk about the LGBT youth, um, another thing, and this is surprising to me, um, especially coming from the atheist community. But another thing that doesn't actually get talked about are how many LGBT youth are, and I know this is slightly getting off the subject of Ferguson, but the, the other thing, too, that really interests me is how much they don't talk about what they're going to do to safe house LGBT youth that are kicked out of their homes. Right. You know, why, how many of those programs do you see either? How many, right. how much, how much of a rate, how much of a furor? But they always want to bring up LGBT rights when they're ready to attack the church, you know? Exactly. exactly. Always. But see, this you know, it's interesting that you said that because the Black Skeptics Group based in Los Angeles, that is part of their homeless um, outreach, you know, social justice outreach program is they work with LGBTQ homeless shelter for youth. Right. And it's 
shelter specifically for LGBTQ homeless youth. And we have, you know, a center here in Chicago where, you know, they help, you know, the same people. And, I mean, I'm just sitting here, so much more that can be done. So much more that can be done. And, you know, the interesting thing is is that the way that I see a lot of people, a lot of these organizations in the atheist community, they're nothing but, you know, raising funds for their little pet projects, you know, giving each other's jobs. Because, you know, you have some people in this community that have been proven, you know, to do all kinds of wrongs, and all they do is shuffle them from one organization to the next and keep them employed. Right, right. Oh, oh. Let me. Oh, let me just. Let me. Oh, can I throw this one out here real quick? This is this is gonna be a killer. Okay. So I have seen a number of atheists in this community talking about Mike Brown and you know condemning Mike Brown because he was a thief and you know we shouldn't have we shouldn't you know be supporting him because he was a you know he stole from a store and he manhandled somebody. Okay. But let's talk about, let's talk about, I mean, I know he's not an atheist per se, but you brought him up a while ago, you know what I mean? And that's Brian Dunning. And there's some other people in this community, too, who have also been sort of outed as, you know, participating in all types of scams. But they still will get supported. People will bring them back, you know what I mean? Yep. People will support them. People will, you know, continue to donate to them and say, oh, well, they're still doing good work, even though they frauded, you know, they, you know, committed fraud to the tune of millions of dollars, you know. And, um, yeah, you know, and it's, then just, they it's just the really religious people for doing the same thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Just saying. I'm just saying. Yeah, exactly. like, um, what's, what's that guy that Kevin Sorbo came out <laughs> This guy actually came out and said that Ferguson and Riss let black protesters be the animals they truly are. And I'm just sitting there coming out and saying, that's fine. You know, it, it's funny how you like to call us out as animals, but we can't call you out. We, I, man, I don't even know what to say about that. I can't even. I'm speechless. Right. I'm speechless that we can't call out white people for the animals that they were during 450 damn years of slavery. Right. Exactly. That, and, we, and we, we can't have, have that conversation. We can't have the conversation about Elliot Rogers. We can't have the conversation uh-huh. about you know the Batman killer and these guys. We can't talk to them like they're animals for killing dozens of. people. We can't talk about the guy who was responsible for the Virginia Tech massacre and how much of an animal he was for killing dozens of students and professors. We want to psychoanalyze the shit out of these guys and say, oh, well, they just had a really rough time in their lives. We're animals for getting angry. Right. Exactly, and, and that's the thing. And you know, you have people, other cops, and all, and, and other people, you know, from around Ferguson and in Ferguson, saying that you know, basically, the cops should put the black protesters down like the rabid dogs that they are. And look at all the racist comments. And they've raised over a quarter million dollars for Darren Wilson. He hasn't even been charged yet. Right. You know, it, right. and it has been rolled over to a nonprofit so that it'll be tax deductible for those people. And I'm right. just sitting there. They raised more money for Darren Wilson than they raised for Mike Brown, and you know Mike and for Brown's his family. family. And, exactly. 
Exactly. For his family. And I'm just sitting want, there. Can we, and it's like, can we come up with $250,000 for those children? Can we come up with funds for these children who are going to be without beloved members of their community? Can we can we drum up that level of support? Can we? I doubt it. I doubt it, and that's another reason why, and here we go, I'm going to point the finger at some of these churches because a lot of these big churches, they've been silent on this. You know, Jesse and Al, you know, they're going to be there because, you know, they're trying to capitalize off the situation. But some of these larger churches, these mega churches in particular, silence. Crickets and tumbleweeds. Why can't they just take one Sunday's donation and send it down there? Yeah, you know, like, but you know what? Like, you know what? Here's another thing to say about the about the, you know, nonprofits, right? And we we haven't really talked a whole lot about the non nonprofit industrial complex, right? You know, and I'm I'm right. starting to kind of you know read up on on that a little bit more myself, um, and just the whole perspective on how how nonprofits really in some ways killed the civil rights movement because of because moneyed interests you know, like Ford and, you know, all of those sorts of organizations that have, you know, been donating to nonprofits. They basically can set the political agenda or people don't want to offend, you know, their donators. They want to be able to count on their donations for the following year. They temper, you know, their outreach, you know, so they can maintain those contributions. So it also makes me wonder, in the age of the Koch brothers, and, you know, and so many of these organizations out here that are conservative organizations, think tanks and what have you, that are contributing to, so, quote, unquote, progressive causes and progressive, you know, um, organizations, how many of these secular organizations might be getting Coke money or might be getting, right. or might be getting money from some of these, you know, conservative, you know, interests? So that right. they, so that they, they cannot um, or, or will not um, aid us, you know, in, in basically right. fighting for our humanity. You well, know, it's, exactly. It's, prim- it's, pri- it's primarily because a lot of the, some of the bigger atheist organizations, they have to cater to, you know, the far left and the far right and everybody in between. So if you can't, you can't ruffle too I many feathers. Think they have because- to. I don't think they have to. No, I don't believe that. <laughs> I don't believe that. Because um, because we're talking about um, we're talking about American atheists, an organization that that stem that 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 went after prayer in schools. You know what I mean? There were no conservative organizations. You know what I mean? That were like, oh yeah, we're against prayer in school. You know what I mean? To partner with they they can they can go another way and they can be unpopular. They just refuse to do it. You know what well, I mean? They just well, refuse right, to take exactly. up for what's right. It's well, we not, look at, not a matter of can't, it's won't. Right. You know what I mean? At, yeah, I got you. But we got to look at why they won't do it. Why they won't do it is because it'll put a lot of their funding under the bus. If they don't come out as a organization that is about social causes and actually creating a better place for all Americans to live, that's kind of going to take away from a lot of people who – within the atheist organizations who do think that they don't have to do anything about these black communities and that if they start coming out and trying to ruffle feathers, um, they'll drop their financial support for the organizations. And as a result of that, American atheists will be a lot weaker financially for doing so. And they can't have that. And that's, that is unacceptable. 
Well, American Atheist really is, it really only has a very very small staff anyway. They could decide not to take that money if they didn't if they really wanted to because they only have like a, a core staff. I think of less than ten people. You know what I mean? But that's here nor there. You know what I mean? The point is is that it's not a matter of they cannot; it's that they will not. You know what I mean? Because there are organizations out here that are doing it with with no donations. There are people out here right. feeding feeding homeless people, feeding. You know, I mean, the organization that we worked with—they're not a five hundred one c three. They they made over three thousand meals in one day. Actually, not even a whole day. In like less than six hours. They made 3,000 right. lunches based entirely off of the kindness and generosity of other people. Not, exactly. not, actual, why, not actual cash donations. These were food donations. You know what I mean? So exactly. where there's a will, there's a way. And that's mm-hmm. why I give credit to Joe Zemecki with, you know, um, Austin for the homeless and Houston for the homeless. Is he's not a 501c3, and all of his, you know, um, donations are given to him, and he gives them to the homeless. And, right. I mean, I have admiration for that. That's why I post his stuff. Right. You know, and, and I just sit back, and I'm like, there is so much more that we can do. But, again, um, like I said, it's like a little club, a little club. And, you know, they want to do their billboards and, you know, they want to do whatever it is that they're doing. And, you know, I tell people to open their eyes and to pay attention and to look and basically um, pay attention to what's happening because especially with American atheists, you know, we've talked about them going over to CPAC. And it's like the organization is being taken in another direction. And I don't know if people are paying attention, but the thing is is that, you know, like um, Red Ninja was saying and, and, and Raina also, is, you know, they're pandering to their to their constituent base. You know, they want more money, and that's why they're going over there to CPAC because those people have plenty of money. I mean, just look at how much money they gave George Zimmerman. Look at how much money that, you know, Darren Wilson is making, you know, you know, an atheist organization, you know, they would just jump for joy if they can get those kind of donations overnight. And they won't be able to get it if they show that, you know, they are aligned with those particular beliefs. And at this point, there are quite a few of them that are aligned with those beliefs. Mm-hmm. And it's a yeah. shame. Right. Yeah. And um, we were, the, interest, the other interesting thing that's happened, too, is like, some of these atheist organizations have actually teamed up with some of these far-right organizations. Like, I read an article the other day where um, Sam Harris and Ayan Hirsi Ali, who, and, and I have to say, like, Ayan Hirsi Ali had a pretty horrific background in terms of um, being threatened with the death penalty from several, like, Muslim fatwa groups and how uh-huh. she actually went so far as to team up with the American Enterprise Institute, which is a far-right Christian organization, and her, um, I would say, campaign against Muslim theocracy. Now, on the one hand, I'm thinking, okay, well, given her background and given the amount of shit that she's actually put through, I can understand why she would actually want why she has the vendetta against, like, you know, the Muslim religion that she does. But to go so far as to actually team up with a far-right Christian organization to do so, to me, that raises a lot of red flags. Because, 
you could you could theoretically make us I mean, you could make the case that the American Enterprise Institute is basically the Christian version of the Muslim theocracy groups, but you're going to team up with the and say that the enemy of your enemy is your friend, but you don't realize that what you're actually supporting is another version of that, like right here in America. And that's not cool. And the fact that, you know, Sam Harris would go so far as to say that that is actually defensible, despite the fact that he's actually supposed to be, you know, this free-thinking icon, is right. shocking to me. Exactly. Exactly. And that's why we bring these things to people's attention. Because at first, at first glance, if you're not really paying attention, it'll go right over your head. And that's why, right. you know, we bring it back and we're like, no, nah, I think we need to revisit this. And we need to look at this from a different, you know, perspective, a different standpoint. Look at this in, you know, a few different ways. And I just find a lot of Islamophobia troubling. Um, right. And it's like, why and isn't... And, yeah, and it's like, why isn't Sam Harris and Richard Dawkins and Daniel Dedit and the, why aren't these guys actually talking about Ferguson? Why aren't these guys actually talking about social justice issues nearly as much as they're talking about making a lawsuit against the school, you know, for having a Bible be read out loud? Why are we paying so much attention to this over here when we got, like, national-level crises going on, but you're talking about trying to take a Bible out of some kid's hands at school? Like, really? Uh Uh-huh. Right. Right. Hey, guys, I'm going to get ready to go. Yeah, I was about to say, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up. But, um, Mm -hmm. you know, this conversation it was one that needed to be had, and, you know, I want to thank Travis and Red Ninja and Raina, of course, for coming in and, you know, keeping the conversation alive and, and bringing some great points to, to and this maybe, topic. And maybe next time, and maybe next time our, um, our friends down in Ferguson will be able to join us. I mean, I'm sure they're probably busy having their boots on the ground and, you know, trying to, you know, prepare, you know, for the, for the next protest you know, or for the next phase. So when I spoke to the young woman, she said that they had a lot of um, media requests and they were putting it on the calendar. So, I mean, it wasn't really guaranteed, but, you know, maybe we'll get the chance to get them on a little bit later and have them call in and, you know, give their information and we can go from there. But, you know, until then... We're wishing them the best, again, that's Organization for Black Struggle. You can find them on Facebook. You can find them online, Twitter as well. And so their information is out there. You can donate directly from their website. Um, And they also have a legal defense fund to help the people that have been arrested down there. They have lawyers on staff helping to get people out of jail. So, I mean, there are a number of things that you can contribute to. You can specify what you want to contribute for and go from there. But, um, again, uh, we appreciate it. We appreciate everybody calling in. And I'm just sitting here and thinking about this more and more about, you know, the atheist community and their lack of response, lack of moral support. I'm going to add that on to the non-response to the Voting Rights Act, the non-response to, well, Section 5, the non-response to the Zimmerman trial, 
And the thing is, is that with the um, Voting Rights Act, they're going after Section 2 next. So I'm waiting to see, you know, if the atheist community is going to respond then. I doubt it. I mean, you know, Maya Angelou said if someone shows you who they are, believe them the first right. time. And I believe them. So here's this next song is dedicated to the atheist community. Red, honey, you take care. Good to talk to you. Same here. And um, thank you so much for having me. Anytime. What you're looking for, the same thing, it's a new thing, check out this, I bring, uh-oh, the rope below the level, cause I'm living low, next to the base, come on, turn up the radio, they're claiming I'm a criminal, but now I wonder how, the people never know, the enemy could be the Frank Guardian, I'm now a hooligan, I rock the party and clear all the madness, I'm not a racist priest to teach the all, cause they never had this, number one, never wanna run about the gun, I wasn't licensed to have one, the minute they see me, fear me, I'm the epitome, a public enemy, use abuse without clues, I refuse to blow a fuse, they even had it on the news. Don't believe the hype, don't, don't, don't believe the hype, don't, 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 don't believe the hype. Yes, was the start of my last jam, so here it is again, another death jam, but since I gave you all a little something that I knew you lacked, it's still consider me a new jack. All the critics, you can hang on my hold the rope, but they hope to the Pope and pray it ain't dope. The follow-up Farrakhan, he'll tell me that you understand, until you hear the man. The book up the new school rap game, writers treat me like Coltrane, insane. Yes to them, but to me, I'm a different kind. With brothers of the same mind, unblind, caught in the middle end, not surrendering. I don't rhyme for the sake of riddling, so claim that I'm a smuggler. Some say I never heard of ya, a rap burglar. False media, we don't need it, do we? 